I'm gonna throw a curveball at you guys because I just came across some. If you tell us, Pete, if you tell us about it, it's not a curveball. (laughs) Did I just ruin the surprise? Like, I'm a terrible poker player. FYI. Man, you're gonna be so surprised when I tell you about the pony I got you for Christmas. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Oh. Well, that's a that's that's how you start the show right there. Movies, TV, Blu-rays. If somehow you've consumed it on the screen with your eyes, then you'll hear it on Scene and Nerd. Here are the hosts of Scene and Nerd, Casey, Pete, and Matt, with a little help from Casey Franco. Welcome back to Scene and Nerd. Uh, we're back. Mine is one person, but... <laughs> what? You need a new way of starting the show, Pete. You can't, what are you talking about? You can't go back, followed by back. It's, it's too I many can be back, redundant back, if I backs. want to. <laughs> are you going back, back to, back, back to Cali, Cali? Yes, I am, but, that, but I'm in Cali, so I guess... Okay, I'm not funny. I'm not good at this, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was how we're going to open the show today. All right. I'm Casey Pete, your host. Uh, alongside always is Mr. Casey Franco. Hey, how's how's it how's it hanging? How's it hanging, Pete? Uh, it's it's hanging pretty good. I'm 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 doing well after my That's gross. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um and <laughs> back as always the unofficial member of Cena Nerd, Miss Lauren Galloway. Hello. Hey. And uh, like I said earlier, we're we're minus one person. We're minus uh, Mr. Matt. He is not here today. Unfortunately, uh, yes, he is. He is very sad and weepy. Um, but doing redactions for him today is the TV whisperer herself. <laughs> as said on as said on Twitter, uh, Lauren, you're going to do re- redactions for us, right? Yes, I did All find right. a redaction, and I am more than happy to step in for Matt just this once. While he's away to do Matt's redactions. Alrighty. So I was re-listening to the episode from last week and we were getting into some good Game of Thrones talk. And sadly, neither of us could remember (laughs) the name of the current king of Westeros. And I think we just tried to look it up on the fly. And we said that... um, Joffrey's brother. We said his name was Lancel. Lancel. Yeah, that's Lannister, right. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Which I remember I was like, oh, that's kind of like an interesting name, Lancel Lannister. But Lancel is actually a Lannister cousin who was in last week's episode. He was the one who approached Cersei at the funeral. I think he kind of had a shaved head and he joined the, what is it called? The Religion of the Sparrow. And he was apologetic for giving. Robert all the wine. I remember. I think he yes. and Hersey, he and Cersei may have hooked up in season one. It's been a while. But he's a cousin of the Lannisters. Um, the current king is Tommen. Tommen. Oh, okay, okay. Tommen. Uh, okay. Tomnen. I'm trying to look it up right now. It's not coming up. Um, he's the current king. So just for clarification, it's not yeah. Lancel, it's Tommen. All right. Cool. Um, all right. That was your redaction for this week, right, right Lauren? 
Or did you have yep. anything else? Cool. Nope. That was the only thing I noticed. Awesome. So it's awesome. it's not King Lintel. We know now. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on to the movies out this week. Uh, X Did I say that right? X Machina? Oh, uh, X Mahina. Mahina. Thank you. Uh, that's at 89% of the tomato meter, tomato meter uh, best rating uh, of a new movie this week. The other nice. ones that follow are The Age of Adeline. That's at our Adeline. Maybe I said that incorrectly. 56%. Uh, little Boy uh, running out the movies at 7%. So, Little Boy, be thankful you're not a 0% like Paul Blart, Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> um, the new Blu-ray is out this week. Taken 3, Cake, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Little Accidents and Everly. Whoa, what? What? There's a, there's a movie called Cake where the girl just walking at night. Is that no. really? That's the synopsis? <laughs> you just connected all those movies together. Oh, seriously? <laughs> those uh, are all separate movies. I thought you were I thought you were giving the synopsis for all the movies. <laughs> I guess cake that could have worked. I didn't even think night. about that. <laughs> <laughs> a little boy becomes a mall cop. No. <laughs> oh, see, now you lost me, man. Now you lost me. Um, so those are the movies out right now. Uh, go check them out this weekend. Uh, we're now getting get into Casey's rundown. Oh man, no way! It's the entertainment, <laughs> entertainment, whatever. That was a uh, uh, old box of Altoids. If you were curious, <laughs> <laughs> really scraping for sound effects these days. <laughs> okay, uh, Netflix has been green light, uh, green lighting, green litting, green lit, green lit. They've been the, the the past tense of green light. Uh, a lot of shows <laughs> lately. And one of those shows is an Aziz Ansari comedy series uh, starring starring John or uh, H. John Benjamin of Archer and Bob's Burgers, as well as Eric Wareheim, half of the Tim and Eric duo. Um, I'm not seeing a name for the show yet, but with a cast like this, I mean, it has a lot of potential to be very, very funny. Uh, other things greenlit by Netflix recently, there was a David Cross, Bob Odenkirk comedy sketch series. Those guys were both on Mr. Show, which is a, a Canadian comedy sketch series. Represent! And, uh, and uh, as well as Full House, I believe, is also coming to Netflix. I don't know if you guys have any opinions on any of those things. Uh, Lauren, did you want to talk about Full House? Yeah, so The Verge did a really great write-up about the synopsis. And when I first saw that Netflix was doing this, my initial reaction was, oh, they're just talking about it. And they're still figuring out which original cast is going to come back. And so I think I tweeted something to my friend like, oh, I would love to see like Uncle Jesse and the twins grown up. And I would love to see DJ and her husband. You know, I had this like happy picture in my head. <clears throat> but apparently that's not what the synopsis is at all. Um, it's kind of like a gender bend on the original show. So the original show was Danny Tanner. His wife had died. He has three daughters and he moves in with Jesse and Joey. So it's like three men raising these girls. Now it's flipped. Mm -hmm. So DJ's husband has recently died. So her name is DJ Tanner Fuller, which is where the name Fuller House comes from. Oh, okay, okay. And so she is now like Danny Tanner was, and she has she has two boys, 
and she moves in with her younger sister, Stephanie, and then her best friend, Kimmy Gibbler, who has a teenage daughter. So now these three girls are raising three kids. So it's like they took the original plot for Full House and kind of flipped it a little bit. And so far, I think the only adult from the show that's set to reprise his or her role is Uncle Jesse, because John Stamos is... Very attractive. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, He's also producing the show. So that's Mm. all for now, but it will be coming to Netflix, I think for 13 episodes, probably the end of this year or early next year. Yeah, I had read something about how he was on, was it Jimmy Kimmel that he announced it on? Um, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he had jokingly said, you know, oh, uh, talking about who they were going to bring back on the show. So... um, it's going to be interesting. I, I I would like to see everyone reprise their roles. And I'm sure everyone, you know, because they've done the, the skits on Fal- on Fallon. They've done the, the yogurt commercials with, you know, John Stamos, uh, Bob Saget, and Dave Coulier. So, you know, watching them all come together would be cool. I, I grew up watching that. So that was, that was really cool. And then also the show, when it ended, it didn't get a proper send-off. It just ended. Um, I, I think back then it just got canceled. And so... Um, I'll, I, I remember the last episode, like the cast just came out and they were just waving at the crowd, the audience that was there. There was no like no special goodbye or anything, um, which is kind of a bummer. Like I know back then we're I was hoping for like, you know, like a b- bit of a better send off. But it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I'm glad you, you filled us in on the Fuller house part, like how that works, because um, I know most people were probably like, so they just took full and made it fuller. So it's good to hear that her name like plays a part in in the uh, the title series so that's gonna be um, that'll be fun to watch I'll, I'll I'll definitely be checking it out just because um, like I said that's what I used to watch so uh, okay next up uh, Adam Sandler who is always known for just pushing the boundaries of comedy uh, has had a little bit of an incident on the set of the ridiculous six his upcoming parody of the movie the magnificent seven. Uh, I guess a bunch of racist things about Native Americans were done and said, and then all the Native American actors left. Uh, wow. Which is, un- which is understandable. And I mean, yeah. I, I also understand that uh, you probably shouldn't take Adam Sandler seriously, but I mean, someone has to stand up against this guy's bad comedy, right? Like, <laughs> like someone's got to take a stand. <laughs> Maybe they're not walking off because it's racist. Maybe they're just walking off because it's dumb. <laughs> that, that's true. I mean, it's well, they're definitely walking off because it's racist. I just want to <laughs> slip that in there. No, I mean you, you gotta. You know, you can be funny and you can be you know offensive with your comedy, but I think there's a line you should definitely watch, especially if you're you have a movie that even though it's a parody and you're you're making these you know ra- what is it these racist jokes. I think you should be you should tread carefully, and it sounds like Adam Sandler didn't didn't do that. <laughs> well, there's, I don't want to say there's a way to be racist, but there's a tasteful way to make cultural humor, like uh, Fresh Off the Boat does it quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Blackish does it perfectly. Well, I think the difference in those shows is that those are Asian people making fun of their own culture. Yes, That's true. And yep. a, a black family making fun of what it's like to be black and white upper middle class society as opposed to something like Adam Sandler who was a white Jewish guy like 
the only people he could really make fun of would be white Jewish people, you know, and like get away with it. So, yeah, I don't don't really understand that kind of humor. What I want to know is where did 90s Adam Sandler go? Uh, He's he's long gone. Uh, I miss like (laughs) the wedding singer, Happy Gilmore. I mean, there's some really funny movies that he did in the 90s and I just don't understand what happened. Yeah, he's he's definitely gone downhill unfortunately. Um like I I didn't I never saw Jack and Jill and I just remember seeing the trailers for it and just thinking it looked terrible. So I just just punch yourself in the face repeatedly and uh you'll feel as though you saw Jack and Jill. All right. Next up, uh Fast and the Furious 7 has become the quickest film to ever reach 1 billion globally. It wow. made a whole lot of money, uh, $1.153 billion to be exact. Um, it's the seventh biggest film of all time, and uh, it's super fucking sad. I saw it in theater, and uh, it was super sad. I don't know. I like all Did the you other- cry at the, tri- the tribute they had at the uh, end of the movie? No, no I, I'm a man. I don't cry. And... Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's weird, right? Because I saw, I've seen all of the other Fast and Furious movies. I didn't particularly like any of them, but they're, co- I mean, they're cool action films. If you like cars, they're 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 cool movies. They're just they're just action movies. I don't know, but each one ends with you being like, all right, I want to go out in the parking lot of this theater and do some donuts and like speed <laughs> and like shoot somebody. I don't know, and it's like <laughs> this one just made me want to like eat a pint of ice cream and watch watch the Gilmore Girls. I, I don't know. <laughs> So that you said it was the fastest one to reach one billion dollars this yes. year. Yes. So yeah. Ever. It's made a oh, whole ever. bunch Wait, of. Wait, is it ever or just this year? Uh, it says it says the fastest movie to ever reach one billion. Oh wow! So yeah, reach one billion the quickest. So I, I guess I, th- I think that's quite a feat because people are always talking about how movies with people of color like don't make money, which is bullshit because almost the entire cast of Fast Seven, you know, are people of color. So <laughs> I love that that's just like a stick it type <laughs> stat to people who you know make they I don't know they think things whoa, like whoa, that. Whoa! 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 Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, are you experiencing an earthquake up there in San Francisco? <laughs> Casey, are you okay? Did you guys hear the audio on that? Or was it just me saying, whoa? I, I just heard you pull, I just heard you pull in a, uh, what's his name? Joey Lawrence from Blossom Moment there. <laughs> At least I didn't shy the Buffett. No, 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 no. All right, next up. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I have one more thing to say about okay, Fast 7. Sorry. But the sad thing about them breaking that record is that Age of Ultron is about I... to demolish that record. So they only get to hold that for about six more days. I don't that know. Was the, there's, that was the first no... thing I thought of when Casey said that. I was like, that's nice, but in seven days, Ultron is... They're already projecting at $200 million in the first weekend, so... And you know people are going to wait to let some of the crowds die down. And then combined with the people who want to see it for the 10th and 11th time, this movie's going to be ridiculous. Beat all those, ridic- those records so crazy. So I don't know. Yes. There's, no, there's no deceased cast members in Ultron. So. <laughs> that we know of. That was, That's true. <laughs> there's still time. There's still time. 
<laughs> oh god. Okay. Well, let's move away from that. Uh, Netflix ordered a second season of Marvel's Daredevil, so that'll be coming to Netflix uh, in 2016. Sweet. Uh, stay tuned for more of Scene and Nerd watching Daredevil and we'll all the insanity that, sure. that will ensue from that. Yes. Uh, let's see. So Verizon has also started announcing that uh, they're going to start unbundling cable packaging. Wait. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. No. no, all right. Okay, hold on. So NBC. All right. See, so NBC, ESPN, and Fox uh, have been fighting with Verizon to stop them from offering like like unbubbled, unbundled programming packages. So like if people want just CBS and NBC, they can pay for just CBS and NBC. And a lot of the a lot of the the bigger channels and smaller channels don't really like that because some of their ratings are very much dependent on the fact that people get them in addition to other channels that they also like and if people were able to start picking and choosing which channels they really need to watch or want to watch and they only choose like two or three of them uh some of the lower b-list channels could see a very stiff decline in viewership that's interesting just because i feel like audio the people can pick and choose the tv shows they want now so um i don't know that i think eventually bundled television programming is is where we're headed you think bundled programming is where we're headed yeah i think eventually people are going to be able to pick what they want to uh want to watch the channels they want i, I mean me personally if the only reason that I think cable is is around is because um, sports hasn't been offered as a separate streaming um, bundle. I think, uh, I think for, for for me, if if I found out one day that I could watch football, baseball, basketball separately without having about ha- without having cable, um, and I can still watch all my favorite TV shows, then I would do it, and and it would cost it wouldn't cost as much as having cable, like. For me, it's like if I could pay five bucks a month month just for AMC, I would absolutely do that. Like if there was a way I could cut out all of the sports and save money, I would absolutely do that. Well, see, I think that's where we're heading. Um, you know, eventually it's going to get there, but um, it, it's just that it's it's funny. Um, even though people, not everyone watches sports, I think that has like such a huge stranglehold on cable and streaming and how that's all kind of connected right now um and ultimately kind of decides how how bundling will work as we move forward Uh, such an interesting conversation i was reading an article about this the other day and a lot of people say that because television is so expensive to produce Mm -hmm. that really let's say you're paying $90 a month for your cable bill almost all of that money is going to like big networks but Mm -hmm. you get 79 other channels that you may or may not watch and those are really Mm -hmm. cheap and so it's easy to say oh well if I wasn't paying for those 79 other channels my cable bill would be lower but that's actually not true because the bulk of what we're paying cable is for like the big names. But I think you guys are right. I think unbundled cable is coming and it has to. I mean, I remember growing up, we got what, seven or eight or nine or ten channels. <laughs> and then there was like the, oh, we get 30 channels and there's VH1 and there's MTV. And then yeah. at some point we got thousands of channels <laughs> and 
like I don't have a cable service like that. I don't have all those channels. But every time I house it at my friend's house and she has like a million channels, I always think, oh, great. This will be so cool. I can watch all this TV. And you flip through it and literally there's nothing on. <laughs> like there's it's just I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird concept. And you're right. Like if you want to watch the NFL ticket, you have to have direct TV. Or if you want to mm. watch all of basketball, you have to have something else. Mm. And at some point they need to figure out just like with food and menus, people like to customize what they eat. They like to customize what they watch and eventually it's going to have to go that way. Yep. Yep. I got a call from Comcast the other day and uh, they were like, Hey, we have a, we have a cool new offer. We really think you'll be interested in. And I, and I said, is it faster internet and less TV channels? And they said, no, it's the exact opposite. And I said, well, (laughs) I hate you guys. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Next up, um, my last piece of entertainment news today, and arguably the most important because it has to do with my favorite thing, uh, America, uh, and my second favorite thing, Waka Flocka Flame, rapper Waka Flocka Flame <laughs> is running for president of the United States in 2016, and he has repeatedly tweeted out and done interviews saying that this is indeed not a joke. He is super seriously running for president. Um if I had to wager a guess on his party ticket, I would go ahead and say the Green Party. <laughs> That's a marijuana but, joke, guys. But I'm bummed. Did you need that, Casey? <laughs> oh man, man, is he is he gonna be mad in the debates when it comes out that he's 28 years old and and legally cannot run for president? Cannot run for president. <laughs> Talk about an awkward situation. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be hella awkward when that comes out. I'm surprised that no one has told him about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, and with that, that's gonna do it for my entertainment. Uh, that was a snapple. Uh, entertainment, whatever. I could have guessed that was a snapple just by the sound. <laughs> just by the the little snap, little snap. Oh, fun oh. fact. Uh, oh, this is this is in addition to the entertainment thing. Uh, George Washington had false teeth made of gold, ivory, and lead, but never wood. And uh, and now you know. The now more you know. know. Yeah. Good to know. Oh, and can no we throw in? Can we throw in one more entertainment, whatever? Sure. Absolutely. Um, Sci-Fi picked up a show called, um, wait for it. I'm waiting. Wait for it. I'm still, I'm waiting. Okay, Geeks Uh, Who Drink. And it's based on the pub pub trivia, Geeks Who Drink. And so it's going to be on Sci-Fi. Zachary Levi is going to be hosting. And there's an open casting call, which I'm going to apply to. Um, for anybody who's nerdy and can talk about Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and is really good at trivia. That's uh, what awesome. If what if you're good at drinking, but not so good at <laughs> trivia? You could apply anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it'll be a fun show. And I know that Will Wheaton's show didn't go past a season, but I think this could have some longevity because it sounds like a really fun idea. That's awesome. That that's gonna be really fun to watch. That's gonna be really cool. Beer and trivia always goes well. Throw in yep. the geeky element, and that's gonna make it even more awesome. So And you got a hit show. For sure. Um all right, so that was your entertainment for this week. Uh I'm gonna hit up a few comic book movie uh news articles I found online. Pretty interesting. So uh, you know, Casey talked earlier about how Daredevil got renewed for season two. They 
recently Empire Online caught up with Charlie Cox and asked him about if he if he knows anything, what could he talk about, and he said, uh, based on the show uh, we've created, uh, which is very grounded in reality, I'd like to see Punisher maybe show up. A little bit of Electra, maybe. I wouldn't mind Black Widow making an appearance, and you can't think about Daredevil, Daredevil for too long without thinking of Bullseye. I don't know when or if or if or how that would happen, but it'd be cool if it did. Um, so he would like to see those happen. I mean, that could that could potentially happen, and I think um, all signs point to definitely happening eventually uh, because I mean, there's already been there's already been talk about Black Widow. Uh, coming into Daredevil's universe somehow. And I, I'm not familiar with the comic, but I did read an article just recently where they were talking about how, um, you know, they, there is a, a connection between Daredevil and Black Widow. So, um, so we'll see if that, um, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, also, uh, casting news for, um, the Flash Arrow spinoff. Uh, I apologize if I, apologize if I say this actor's name wrong. Franz, Dramay? Yep, said that wrong. Definitely said said that wrong. I I don't know how to say it, but uh, (laughs) I would wager a guess that that was probably Okay, thanks, Casey. Uh, (laughs) He is from Attack the Block. Uh, That's actually a really cool movie. Uh, Hereafter and Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, He's joined uh, the Flash Arrow spinoff, like I said, and he's the name of his character is actually um, Jay Jackson. Uh, there's, There's no other word as to who that could be, um, but there was an official press release uh, as to his character. And in quotation marks, it says, Former high school athlete whose pro career was derailed by injury, now making ends meet as an auto mechanic. Jay will come to have an, a surprising affiliation to the Star Labs crew. So that's going to be... Um, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the article here on comicbookmovie.com, and uh, they've got him uh, next to Cyborg, which I don't think that'll happen just because I just because he is going to be in the Justice League movie. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, they did throw out the name Static Shock or Black Lightning, so uh, maybe he'll be playing one of one of those characters. Um, and let's see here. Lastly, there was. Uh, Channing Tatum was on the red carpet for uh, the Magic Mike Double uh, XL premiere, and they asked him about Gambit, and uh, he said, "You know, he he said quote end quote, you know, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, but I don't think I want to introduce Gambit until you really can explain who Gambit is." Um, that's nice in theory, but if Channing Tatum's paid attention to comic book movies, they don't always introduce a comic book character that's fully explained. So. Um, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily rule out Gambit in the next X Men movie, um, so uh, yeah, all speculation right now. Um, and then I just wanted to um, talk real quickly about the um, Batman v Superman trailer, which came out like right after we recorded last Friday. I was like, I was so mad. I was like, I was I was talking about it, saying, oh, the leak came out and. I'm not going to say much because it's going to come out next Monday when they have the IMAX I know. thing. The and second we wrapped it. Yeah, came it came out. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, Zack Snyder. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, no, but it, it, it hit and, you know, it's got like 2 million views on YouTube, I believe, one of the one of the links I saw. So um, I want to get your thoughts. Lauren, I'll start with you. What did you think of the first look of this movie? Okay. So... I am a very optimistic 
consumer of television and movies. I usually don't have strong negative feelings about very much. I usually approach everything with, okay, I'll see it. I'll check it out. That being said, personally, I was extremely turned off by the tone of this trailer. Um, I know that I'm not alone in that because a lot of people on Twitter were talking about it. I know that other people loved the tone of it. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying for me personally, I have a really hard time when my superheroes or my idea of a superhero is accused of doing something wrong. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so the tone of the trailer to me seemed very much like people worshiping uh, Superman as a false god and then seeing the graffiti and the spray paint over his statue. Like for me, that was really painful because I really, I love, like, I love the character of Superman. To me, the idea of Superman as embodied by Henry Cavill and, um, Christopher Reeve is like, like purity and goodness. Mm -hmm. And I've all like, to me, that's the ideal of Superman. And so to see him like defaced publicly was just, it, it just turned me off so much that I probably will not ever watch that trailer again. I'll watch other ones, but I don't want to watch <laughs> that one. That was my first impression. So, yeah. Okay. Powerful so, stuff there. Uh, I'm normally a very pessimistic consumer of this kind of thing, and I actually really like the trailer. How about that? How about that little flip flop? Nice. Uh, I, uh, I, pretty much for all the reasons that Lauren didn't like it, <laughs> I, I kind of did. Now that I stop and think about oh, it, because I've always liked the. I don't really like Superman as a uh, as a superhero normally because uh, he just kind of seems OP to me. He seems super overpowered. I read a comic book once where he like sneezes too hard and a star goes out. I'm like, oh well, where do you where do you go from there? Um, but like, I like the the human aspect that they always give to Superman. Where like this, he 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 he. In reality, he kind of would be worshipped if this guy who could do anything just like came to Earth. People would erect statues of him, and like, what if, what if that that alien being uh, just went crazy one day and decided that humans weren't worth saving? That's kind of what Lex Luthor's character is. He's like a safeguard against this alien, because Lex Luthor's a xenophobe and and all of that. Uh, I also like that Batman kind of has a an Iron Man, Hulkbuster kind of vibe to him, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, to see Ben Flack in his first appearance. Uh, I'm excited to see where they go with the Superman character. If they set him up for redemption or if they paint him as like a Mad King kind of character. Uh, we will see. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I can definitely see Lauren's side and, um, and I can also see Casey's side. And, and that's really, if you go on the internet and you see all the message boards, you see comments, you see tweets, uh, about the trailer, I, I think you see a lot of people who either like it or don't like it, and and for various reasons. But um, I, I'm a I'm a huge DC guy, so Superman and Batman are number one for my for number one for me. Like they're one one A. Like I can't. It's hard for me to choose between the two because I love both characters so much. Um, I liked the trailer. Uh, I. 
I think it's interesting what they're doing. They're they're taking a very diff- different approach with, approach with Superman, and that is, they're you know here he is this this alien on Earth, and people have to get used to this person now on our planet who is here to say is here to not not I don't want to say be our savior. He's he's here to just be kind of the guy who saves the day, and. I think what they were showing with the whole false god thing was how people can get fanatical with that because I think that even in in, in real life people can can get like that with certain things and I think that's what they're kind of trying to play off of and that's what I think the whole grounded in reality thing is and how they're trying to relate it to to real life and it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle that and I don't know just um how that how that connects with Batman and how how they face off because I know a, a lot of backlash too is well Batman and Superman shouldn't be enemies right from the get go um, this would be the equivalent of Iron Man and then Civil War immediately afterwards um, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with that just because um, Batman and Superman have always kind of been at odds even though they have been friends um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Uh, but as far as the trailer goes, um, I really I liked it. Um, I'm excited to see where they take it. I think it's something completely th- different than what Marvel's doing, and I think that's okay. Um, Marvel does their thing, DC does their thing, and we get to reap the benefits. I don't think um, anyone should be complaining about that. We're we're getting live action comic book movies, and maybe this is just me speaking to the whole DC versus Marvel thing, but I think that's ridiculous. People should just go out and enjoy the movies. Um, you know, for people like uh, myself uh, and, you know, Lauren, I'm sure you remember back in the 90s, there was talk of so many comic book movies being made, but never actually happened. And, you know, I mean, all we got was like the 89 Batman. And then it kind of went downhill after that. Uh, and we never really got like something like what we're getting now with Marvel and DC. So um, put down your swords, Marvel and DC fanboys, put down all your weapons, just Go to the movies, enjoy what we're going to get for the next five, six years, and uh, believe me, everyone's going to have a blast. So that's all I wanted to say about that. I'm off my soapbox now. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really well said, Pete, and I agree with you. What I think is so interesting is because I follow a lot of different um, different writers and people in the press on Twitter, and I felt like when this trailer came out, the people who were defending it were complaining about Marvel fans. Like they were saying things like, God, I'm so tired of Marvel fans, like not being interested in what DC is doing. And I like, it took everything within me not to reply to that person and just kind of go on a rant because Mm -hmm. I didn't like the trailer because I like Marvel. I didn't like the trailer because I don't like to see Superman, (laughs) you know, dealing with all these problems. Personally, I love what DC is doing. I am super excited about their lineup. And so like for anyone to say, Oh, well you didn't like it because you just, you're a Marvel fangirl. Not that you were saying that Pete, I'm just saying people on yeah. the internet. I'm like, no, that's actually Marvel has nothing to do with why I didn't like that trailer. Like Marvel has nothing to do with what I look at DC. Like they're their own properties. Yes. I'm a Marvel fangirl, but I watch so much DC television. It's not even funny. So I just, I hope that people don't see someone's dislike for that trailer or even like, people are really worried about the wonder woman movie now with the switch out of directors and the switch out of writers. 
Um, it doesn't have anything to do with liking Marvel more at all. And I just want to put that out there. Yes. It's, um, it just comes down, it, it just comes down to everyone just kind of enjoying, uh, everything that's coming out. Like Lauren said, I mean, it's, it's all good. Nobody needs to, to fight about this. Let's just all get along. Uh, Let's just all get along. Repeat, my, <laughs> repeat myself. Um, okay, so now everybody, we're off to- lo- everybody love everybody. There it is. <laughs> That's right. Scene and nerd. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're gonna get into. Uh, oh wait, wait, wait! I totally forgot oh, to throw shit. my curveball at you guys. Oh, Sorry. whoops. <laughs> oh, okay. wait, a curveball. Where's that coming from? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, hey. <laughs> You know, we never saw that coming. You guys are mean. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to throw this quick curveball. I, you know, when I was researching the comic book movie news part, you know, there's all these there's all these little links to different articles that come out, and there was one I found that linked back to IGN, and this is actually kind of an old article. I mean, it was like a month ago, but it, so it's not super old, but it's it's old. And um, the article is, "What if Avengers had been made in 1985?" And so they did like a whole casting thing, and I thought this was really interesting. Interesting. So I'm gonna, I'm kind of gonna quickly go through the how they casted the, the Avengers of '85. So uh, in the Iron Man role, they had Burt Reynolds. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> the Hulk would be played by Mel Gibson and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> what, like piggyback? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, Mel Gibson Thor- writes all the dialogue and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thor was Dolph Lundgren. Uh, okay. Cap- nice. nice. Captain America was Patrick Swayze. <laughs> nice. uh, Hawkeye was Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, Black Widow was Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Nick Fury <laughs> is Clint Eastwood. That's a, that's that's pretty good. I like that. Uh, uh, Agent Coulson, Bill Murray. <laughs> I, I could get on board <laughs> oh with that one. God. I would down. I would be down for Bill Murray. Yes, as, most definitely. You can I just hear him like, down. hey guys, there's an alien invasion. Should we like uh, do something about it? Let's do it. <laughs> It'd be like the first Charlie's Angels movie. Did you guys see the first Charlie's Angels where he played um, Bosley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be I think that'd pretty much be what he would that's what we'd get with Colson if Bill Murray was Colson. Um and then rounding out the Avengers and the newest Avenger, uh, Spider Man, they had Michael J. Fox. Um so that's uh. Just wanted to kind of run that list down, um, you know, get that, get those uh, wheels in your heads turning. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So um, that was my curveball for you guys. <laughs> Are you guys if surprised? I to, if I had to cast Iron Man, I would cast Tom Cruise because, I mean, if you look at Tom Cruise and Robert Downey Jr. in real life, they're both about the same height. Like they're not really tall actors i think tom cruise would have made a great iron man back in the 80s he's certainly he's certainly flamboyant enough you you know what's funny about that is the late i think it was the late 90s early 2000s tom cruise was linked to a marvel script for iron man and he was linked to it for years and it just never came to fruition um i yeah i remember when this was this such a long time ago but i remember when you know the early days of like comic book movie news getting leaked, and that was one of the big ones, and it it just never it never made it out. So that's uh, interesting. You said that, Lauren. Uh, good connection. <laughs> you guys uh, remember when Tom Cruise used to not be weird? Man, <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> yes, uh, that was back when Adam Sandler was still funny. <laughs> funny how times change. <laughs> All right, so. 
we are going to get into TV talk for this week. Hey. And uh, we're going to kick things off with uh, Game of Thrones. And I'm actually going to try and know who the hell who everyone is this week. So, Good luck. Uh, Wait, can, can we sing the song? Have you guys seen the 80s remake of the intro music to Game of Thrones? Oh, no, but I... No, but I can imagine it. It's no, the but best I... thing ever. It's like if Game of Thrones was set in the 80s, very much like your curveball. And it has like like the 8-bit um, like techno sound to the music. And then it has like the fade in kind of blurry like credits that roll through. And like Sean Bean is smiling and he like <laughs> oh, flips and his hair. Is it like the characters like whipping around and then it's yes. like the same as their name comes up. It's Get so the synthesizers good. in the background. Okay, it I take it back. Like a, I have seen that. I have seen that. I do remember that. Has like a tom drum roll before the <laughs> intro starts like do 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 do. Yes. You know what's funny is they did they I I do remember that now, but they did also come out with these box art covers from like the 80s and it was shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, um and all like retro style um art and it was really cool the way they did it i mean you're like yep that could have worked back in the 80s i think that would have flew so um that was very very cool all right so uh this week of game of thrones uh i really enjoyed it um i think last week lauren had said uh we get a lot of aria in the episode and and we did mm-hmm. get a lot of aria arriving at bravos uh to the house of black and white am i saying that correctly do we know yep. that Yep. And she's looking for Jagan Haga, and um, she meets a man who appears at first to not know what she's talking about and who she's talking about. Um, Lauren, what did you think of of of, of that? Uh, her traveling so far to be turned away, and then um, going back to what she was doing, which was um, uttering the names of the people she wants to kill. You know, that's just like life. You you uproot everything you know and you take a chance on something and you show up and <laughs> there is no one here by that name <laughs> and then you're left out in the rain for days to to think about all the people on your list um i i thought it was i thought it was really sad and i could tell that aria was really disappointed but it's it's very typical game of thrones nothing is ever on this show and probably in the book nothing is ever as you hope it would be that's just not the kind of show that they're running. It's it's not a optimistic. Arya makes it to Bravos and she finds her long lost, you know, trainer. I mean, she does, but like it, it took her a while to get there. So it didn't surprise me that that what she was hoping for didn't happen right away. But I thought it was funny how like he turned her away, and then like he just let her sit there for a couple days, and then he was like. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I am the guy that you were looking for. Come on in. Ah, <laughs> uh, JK, come on in. <laughs> I was just testing you. <laughs> you passed, silly. <laughs> come on in, just... but by the way, you can't keep your name or your identity or pretty much any of who you are. It's so interesting because, okay, here's a great, here's a great parallel. Jon Snow wants to be Jon Stark, mm-hmm. but Arya Stark wants to be a faceless person and not be a Stark. And there's such irony in that, how it's the only thing John wants and how Arya is over it and doesn't want to be a Stark anymore at all. 
Casey, what do you think of that? What do you think of um, Arya taking this completely different path um, with now that she's with Jaga and Hagar? Uh, I think that they're setting her up to be a, a major player in the, in the rest of the series. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never read the I never read the books. I I don't know if we're caught up to Arya's story or not. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if any guesses of mine are going to be correct or not, but uh, I would say they're definitely setting her up to be probably one of the coolest characters we've seen in the show so far, at, I think combat-wise. I think she's going to probably train there, become super cool, be some kind of saboteur. Um, mm-hmm. Although there's not really a whole lot of kings left to sabotage, I feel like by <laughs> the time she reaches fruition, all of the other characters will have died. <laughs> That's very possible. Um, you know, if you remember, what was it? It was either, was it last season when she would, you know, say the names of the people she wanted to kill? And that list you can see in this episode got a lot shorter. Yeah. Um, so sticking with the Starks, uh, we see Sansa with uh, Peter Baelish and Brian and Podrick run into them. Uh, Casey, what did you think of, of Sansa? rejecting Brian's offer to uh be to watch over her to to protect her what do you think of that i think that sansa just wants to be safe honestly i i think that sansa and her character's personality is the kind who will take who will take comfort over conflict and even though she still might be a little bit mistrusting of littlefinger she's kind of got a little bit of stockholm syndrome right now i think she's learning to trust him uh she's She's or he is the only person looking out for her right now, so she has no choice but to stay where she is. Whereas if she would have gone with Brienne or let uh, Brienne stick around, uh, all of that could have been in jeopardy. And so I think she is going to stay where it's safe. Now that adds on to the question: uh, What does Brienne of Tarth do now? All of the Starks have kind of been like, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very good question. I mean, what what do you think of that, Lauren? Um, Brienne is one of my favorite characters on Game of Thrones. I loved her whole arc, kind of the second half of season three and then all of season four. And she is so loyal. And my first thought when she kind of took the knee before Sansa was, yes, like Littlefinger is going to give her a moment and she's going to be able to convince Sansa to go with her. And then Sansa and Littlefinger were like, uh, everyone <laughs> you've ever been responsible for is dead. So your resume looks really shitty right now. <laughs> Which like was so painful to watch because Brienne, we know that like we were there with her. We saw her do everything she possibly could to protect Renly and to protect Lady Stark. And so... The fact that they turned her away was really hard to watch. And I think Podrick is like, what are you doing? Like, just, just you know, like, release yourself from the vow that you made to Caitlin and get on with your life. Like, go back to King's Landing, go find Jamie, go do something. And she's she's just so determined. And, like, it's hard to say where she's going to go the rest of the season now that she's caught up with Sansa. But... Maybe she'll save her at some point. Maybe they'll trail where Sansa and Littlefinger are going. I don't know. So, you know, we're talking a lot about kids right now, and we're now starting to talk a lot more about um, uh, 
Cersei's kids, her daughter in particular, who she badly wants to get back because she's afraid that um, Oberon's people are going to pretty much take her apart. And uh, that's well, that's what his wife, that's his wife, right? Um, Elia Elaria Sand. That's was that his wife, Oberon's wife? I don't uh, think so. Or that just is, that was they were just involved. They're outside think- of the ten characters whose names I remember. <laughs> No I think what I've what I've learned about the the sands because like if you're a bastard in the north your last name is snow if you're a bastard in the south your last name is sand oh. and so she if her last name is sand then she's not like she's not a Martell okay she's not an Oberon Martell she's not a Dorian Martell like she's she's definitely the bastard daughter of somebody and maybe mm-hmm. she was Oberon's lover or. Or she's uh, like what was his sister and was like the bastard of maybe their parents. I don't I don't know, but she's definitely someone who cares about Oberon a lot. But I don't think she's related to um, Dorian. Okay, um, so I wanted to talk real quickly about how Jamie uh, decided to go and save Cersei's daughter from and getting them back. Lauren, what did you think of this one man quest that Jamie's going on? Cersei played Jamie like a fool. <laughs> she sat there and was like, "Our daughter is gonna be killed by the sons." And you, you know, first of all, I think it's the first time that Jamie and Cersei have ever talked about those those kids as their kids. Yeah, like, yeah. your like she like Cersei kept saying our daughter and your daughter and then she just stuck it to him and was like well you've never been a father to them anyway i mean she set up that whole scene well then i'm then i'm going to uh where are they keeping them what's the Uh, the place oh um crap i didn't write it down totally blanking (laughs) oh my gosh i thought i did sorry don't look at me it's I not Bravos. It's not Marine. It's it's FunWorks. It's Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> it's the happiest place on oh earth. I can't remember. This is anyway. This is bug me. He decides to go like of his own volition. But my favorite part about that whole Cersei game scene is who Jamie is going to bring with him to go get Marcella. Um, Tyrion's old guard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really cool. That was so funny. It was good to see him. We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, now he's I mean, like getting ready to get married and everything. And he, he looks like case? he looks like he needs to go on like the Atkins diet or something. He, <laughs> he's he's put on a little bit of weight. Did you notice that? <laughs> he got a little bit. He got a little bit chubby. He's probably oh, happy. Bron. That's why. Bron. Is that Bron? Yeah, or yeah, Bron. He's uh. He's like got that, that, that uh, in a relationship <laughs> chub going on. Has someone cooking for him regularly? Exactly, that's what it is. Yes, he's got yeah. someone cooking for him. Dorn, they're keeping yeah. her in Dorn. Dorn. Oh, thank you. Dang it, it I'm so mad. Okay. <laughs> so, so speaking on that, what did you think of um, Casey? I'll start with you. What did you think of Ella Elaria coming to Orberon's brother? And saying like you're just sitting here. Why aren't you? Why aren't you going after King's Landing? Why aren't you trying to kill them for killing your brother? Who who who's that? <laughs> who did what? No, they're outside of my ten characters. 
you remember the uh, Oberon's uh, the girl that he's with, and they're having the discussion that um, he needs to go. That she thinks he needs to go after King's Landing for them for the mountain killing um, Oberon. Does that mm, ring a bell? <laughs> that doesn't. That doesn't ring a bell. You got a lot of stuff working against you right now. One, I'm. One, I'm a stupid person. Two, I, <laughs> I watched this show like five days ago. I don't remember anything after like three hours. So uh, maybe we get Lauren's opinion on this, and it might jog. It might, it might get these cogs turning a little bit. All right, Lauren, what did you think? Um, she is so pissed that pretty much the Lannisters were allowed to assassinate Oberon. And I love how Martell, who's one of my favorite actors, he played Julian Bashir in Deep Space Nine. I love how he's like, "Uh, if we do that, we will go to war with Westeros. (laughs) And he's like, really? I can tell that you're upset, but I really don't want to go to war with Westeros today. (laughs) And if you noticed, he's in a wheelchair. He has gout, oh. and so and he's that's why he's in the water gardens. He's Damn. like hiding his gout from people, so he's not really in a position to just get up and take his sword and go charging into Westeros. I, I think she is going to take her sisters. I think they're called the. Oh, what are they She's, called? She said the, a name. The snake. Oh, the Cause snake. It, because it wasn't there kind of a parallel with the snake that was given to Cersei with um, yes. the the, uh, the necklace that was yes. given to her. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The the Sand Sisters, like the all the daughters that are like kind of bastard children, they're really badass and like wicked, and they can sword fight. Um, I think she's gonna take a bunch of her sisters to Westeros to try to kill maybe. Cersei or someone to get vengeance over Oberon. So, um, <laughs> I remember now. You remember now? <laughs> you should have said. You should have said the pyramid guys. I don't know the why pyra- that would. Why that would have reminded me? Because the pyramids are the is Daenerys over on the other side of the world. But uh, that little area kind of remind me of an Egyptian an Egyptian courtyard. That's how <laughs> I remember them. Okay, I'll make this easy then for you, Case. Okay. So. Moving on to uh, Khaleesi uh, okay, and good. her story, what's going on? What did you think of how um, uh, Dario and Grey Worm went investigating in the villages, and then they found the guy hiding behind the wall, and they pulled him out, and there are the knives and the gold mask that that was used to kill one of the one of the soldiers. Mm, um, I I thought it was cool. I, I, <laughs> that, that, I don't know. I think it really set up. It set up uh, what's his face, uh, Daenerys's main main man, her main squeeze. That guy uh, set him up as like a really cool dude. I, a lot of times they'll set up characters that you're not supposed to like because they'll give them, uh, they'll make them not good at what they do. This guy is very good at what he does, and uh, I'm glad that she's keeping him around. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure his character is gonna do go on to do much more cool things until he's <laughs> inevitably killed somewhere down the road when it's least. <laughs> least convenient for all the viewers <laughs> so so what what did you think of um i don't remember the uh the guy's name but it's it's one of the men in kind of her i guess her council that takes it upon himself to kill the prisoner um for khaleesi you know uh, he puts the mask on him leaves him bloodied and everything what did i mean was that smart I, well obviously it wasn't smart because you know she killed him because of it mm-hmm. but why why do you think 
uh, he did it? Do you think it was to to make Khaleesi happy, or do you think maybe there was something else going on where if he kills this guy, nothing more gets said about what's going on? I think that it's a it's a clash of ideals, right? So like uh, they're not used to having this true democracy in their in their or not I not democracy. It's still a still an autocracy. But this idea of like very stern justice, like this no mercy, like this is what you deserve, everyone should be free. That's it. No gray area, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's a very modern way of thinking that Daenerys has, and it's clashing with this old way of thinking that they have. And uh, I think in his mind, he wanted to, to show Khaleesi in a way, like, if you just, if you just kill this guy, if, like, if you just do it to appease the people, then everyone will like you. And he thought that her hands were tied, so he figured, I'll just kill him for you, I'll do you, I'll do you a, like, a freaking solid, like, you'll, you'll be like, ah, oh, thank, thanks for that, really appreciate it. Uh, no, exactly the opposite. Uh, she was not cool with it. She was very, very not cool with it. She killed, killed him for it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So Lauren, what did you think of, um, I can't remember his name, but Khaleesi's like the, he was the soldier, the older soldier guy that came over from King's Landing. Um, he's kind of taken on the role of, uh, of counseling her a little bit more like what, oh my God, I'm completely forgetting. These characters. This is what. This is because there's so many freaking characters in Game of Thrones. It's um, all right. <laughs> he, he's the, he he speaks with her about her dad and calls him the Mad King, and she's like, "Oh, yes. thanks, you just pissed me off." What did you think of of him telling her that story, and then that parallel with what she how she handled uh, executing the uh, the man who killed the prisoner? I thought that was really interesting parallel because it seemed like. It seemed like they were trying to set up like a visual example of something. I didn't really get it though. So he was very bold with her and told her that her father did really crazy things. And her first response was, it's all lies. I don't want to hear about it. But like her dad did kind of go crazy at the end. And so I thought it was interesting that like she actually let him talk about it a little bit because I think she's been in denial for so long that her father isn't anything but a perfect martyr. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really understand what he was trying to say. Like, was he trying to say if you exercise brute force, then you're just like your dad? Because then... But then she exe- but she then she did execute brute force on that young man. So either she didn't get what he was trying to say, or, or or I didn't get it. I don't know. Well, I think it. What I what I saw during that whole thing was I I think we talked about it last week too, and that was Khaleesi still shows a lot of inexperience as someone who rules. Um, and mm-hmm. it, to me, I could see it in her face when everyone's talking about um, the way they should handle the prisoner, and then even after they find out that. Um, the guy had killed the prisoner and it just, she never seemed like she was dead set on, on a decision. And even up to the point when she has um, Dario, you know, chop the guy's head off. She's, she still looks like almost like she's going to change her mind at the last second. Um, And then, you know, uh, and then we see uh, the crowd turn on her uh, and make this really weird hissing sound. Um, Ooh, hiss. Yeah. It was just like, (laughs) You could you could see that she's clearly not loved by all the people. 
You're the uh, queen. I didn't vote for you. <laughs> it's it's not going the way uh, the way she wanted. So um, yeah, the slaves turned. Well, the former slaves turned on her because she killed one of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was yeah. a really bad move. Like she was trying to do the just thing, but for people that had been unjustly treated for that long. Like, do you start with them out of making an example of justice? I, I think that was a bad move on her part. Yeah, I know. I, I totally agree. Um, and, and you could tell I, when she's w- walking away and she the moment that the crowd turns on her, um, I mean, there's always that, oh, my God, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But she just like just it just says it all over her face. And, and she it's almost like she immediately regrets doing it because, like I said, I don't think she was fully sold on the decision she wanted to, to make. So, I mean, that just complicated everything. Um, so what did you guys think, uh, Casey, what do you think of Cersei trying to give everyone orders, even though she's, she's just the mother of the king? <laughs> I, I don't like Cersei. I don't care what anyone says or what the show wants me to think. I don't like Cersei. Uh, <laughs> they gave her a little bit of, uh, or they gave the viewers a little bit of her backstory at the beginning to kind of like make you understand like, Oh, okay. That's why she's, that's why she's just a raging, crazy person because, <laughs> because she had that prophecy when she was a young kid. But I'm like, she asked for it. She asked yeah. for it. She was she was really mean back then too. <laughs> yeah, not much has changed. I mean, continues to be mean. Uh, she's she's kind of writing checks that I don't think that she's allowed to cash right now. She's still super manipulative, as we saw with her inter- interactions with Jamie and uh, I don't know. I I. I hope they're setting her up for death, honestly. I don't really... <laughs> it sounds morbid, and it sounds mean, but I really don't like Cersei. I really don't like her. What, it's, she's got that going on, and then she's she's having all these people from King's Landing look for everyone that looks like Tyrion, and man, I mean, they're just like so ruthless. I mean, it's it's not even dead or alive. It's not even dead or alive. It's like just whatever you can bring back, you know? I mean, and you see that when she's like, oh, that's not him, whatever. Just so like, man, just so evil. Um, yeah. So just to finish things off with Game of Thrones, um, Lauren, what do you think of Dragon returning at the end of the episode to kind of make a little bit of light there at the end of the uh, 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 Khaleesi story? I thought that was really cool because we, we talked about this last week. Daenerys has lost the trust of her dragons. And that's not a good thing when her dragons are her biggest card and her ability to kind of, well, rule. I mean, people are afraid of her her dragons. Um, Rhaegal and Viserion are the two that kind of turned against her. So the fact that Drogon came back, the fact that he is staying close to her, even though he's kind of, you know, wandering about during the day, I thought that was a nice touch. And... You know, I know that Game of Thrones is really trying to pace itself, but at some point, Daenerys is going to be riding that dragon into Westeros, and I am most looking forward to that day. But that probably won't happen until season, what, seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten. <laughs> they might try to drag that out as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe in, maybe in a decade when the next book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about one last thing? Um, sure. Jon Snow is now. Oh, yes. What's his new title? He's. Was he like a commander? The commander. That, yeah. I'm pretty he's, sure he's, he's the, the commander, commander of, the, of the Night's Watch, right? Yeah. That was really cool. 
What did, what did you think of how Stannis was telling him, "Oh, just you're going to you can be John Stark of Winterfell." Um and you know, you touched on this earlier how he he would like to be a snow, but he's got this loyalty um and now he's excited to be a commander in the Night's Watch. Um do you think it was better for him to stay with the Night's Watch or or carry on um Rob Stark's legacy? From what I can tell about like the the moral center of Jon Snow is that he is loyal to a fault. And it's so gnarly. He will not break his Night's Watch vow. Even though the wall is like the craziest place to be right now. I mean, you're surrounded by all these guys. They're all in indentured servitude, pretty much. Winter is coming. He keeps getting all these outs to leave, and he refuses to leave, which says so much about his character, that his word is his bond. And I, I seriously think that Stannis is just playing the game. He tried to play the game with Mance Raider. Oh, I'll let your people go. I'll let them be citizens. You know, if you just, just come to my side and just take the knee. And he tried to do the same thing with John. Oh, I'll make you a Stark. I'll give you I'll give you everything that you've ever wanted. I will give you back Winterfell. But John has so much more integrity than to play a game like that, which is what continually impresses me about John's character. Case? Um, yeah, I don't have much to add uh, after what Lauren said. Uh, yeah, I think that John's a really cool character. His word is his bond, as she said, and, uh, he's just a good, he's just a good old boy. I don't know. He's, uh, <laughs> he's playing by the rules and he's good at, he's good at fighting. Uh, I'm interested to see how he commands now. Cause we've seen him as the, we've seen him as the steward. We'd seen him as the soldier. Now we get to see John as the commander and the, the battling general. Yeah, it's going to be very fun to watch. Actually, it's funny. I um, just on this note, um, I have a I have a coworker at at work. I have a coworker, and she um, she, she badly wants zombies. No, no, she badly wants Khaleesi and Jon Snow to come together and and form some super team. Hmm. Uh, so that, that would is, be <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, that is quite the tall order, but uh, <laughs> crazier things have happened. That is very true. All right, so moving on, uh, we're going to talk a little Arrow right now. And um, it seems to me, you know, I, I know we've talked a lot about Arrow through the year and how it's, it's definitely, you know, the early part of the season hasn't been as good as season two. Um, at least I, I haven't thought it was. It's been, it's gotten better. And I certainly think that these last few episodes um, that they're getting started with, they've, they've saved it all the best for last. Um, and I, I think this last episode really showed that. Um, man, so much going on. And it all kicks off with, you know, right after Thea gets stabbed by Roz. And um, Lauren, what do you think of that? Oliver walks in, just thinks he's going home, and there's Thea dying. This week of Arrow, in my opinion, was one of its best episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Ab- like, I, the acting of everybody, like everyone is great. I love the show, but I feel like everybody just rose to this standard that I have never seen before. And so watching Oliver come in and like hold Thea and he has all that like dried blood on his face and then he's in the hospital and he just can't help but cry. We never get to see Oliver Queen cry. And then when Malcolm comes in and he's crying, it was <laughs> so, oh my God, it was so good and so emotional. And 
like exactly what Oliver said, he has lost everything. Roz has taken everything from him and there's nothing left to do but join the league. Yeah, that was super powerful. I mean, what I mean, there's no way I don't think anyone could have ever saw Oliver and Mer- and and and, and uh, Malcolm in the same room crying at the same time. Uh that was something certainly to certainly to witness. Um you know, and then after that, Oliver goes to Maceo and Maceo tells him, "You can save your you can you can reverse this if you become uh Roz, if you if you accept his offer." Um what do you think of that case? Um I think it was like it's just the obvious thing to do. I I don't know why he's so hesitant to take this role. It really seems like this is what he was born to do. It's what he's very good at. I know that he has to say goodbye to his family and do the memory wipe and everything, but he he keeps wanting some redemption when he's not really deserving of redemption. Like I I, I there's this weird Here's one of the reasons why I don't really like the Arrow. There's this weird hypocrisy with the Arrow character where he used to steal things and murder people and do bad things. And then one day he decided, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go fight people who steal and murder and I'm going to be the good guy now. And, and he, it's just like, it's just, ah, you're, you have to give the same redemption to the other people. But like, you don't, you just, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that Ra's al Ghul sucks at killing people. For a guy who like murders professionally, <laughs> he can't murder anybody. <laughs> Oliver survived. They survived, and maybe that was on purpose, right? But uh, just be better at stabbing people. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so after that, then we have a very, very uh, emotional scene. Another. This is like one emotional scene after the other, and that was when Felicity and Ray happened. And, or should I say, they 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 they're not happening anymore. Um, Lauren, what did you think of this? I mean, it seemed like, I mean, Ray just continues to be the nicest freaking guy in the world. I mean, he just let her down so easy, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, you can totally use my jet." <laughs> <laughs> I know this is an unpopular opinion amongst the ladies that. I'm friends with on Twitter because they are all Elicity shippers and I am not. I think Ray Palmer is like the sweetest, most wonderful teddy bear I have ever seen. (laughs) Um, Brandon Routh just has an innocence about him that is really attractive. He's just so, he plays Ray Palmer so genuine. And every week I just, I think he's just delightful. I love the music that they are giving to his character. It's a lot like the flash music where it's very kind of upbeat and very whimsical. And the fact that he's like, I love you, but I can see that you love someone else. Here, just take the jet, you know? Just take whatever you need. You know, here's here's a million dollars. Just go have a nice getaway weekend with Oliver and Nanda Parvat, you know? Here's some candles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know? What else can I help? Make your weekend getaway with roman- with Oliver more romantic. How can I? How can exactly. I do that? <laughs> exactly. He's just he's good to the core, and I love that about him. And I'm sad that he and Felicity aren't going to stay together. 
but maybe he can find a love interest on the spinoff show. Yeah, there's, there is definitely hope for uh, Mr. Ray Palmer. Um, you know, so, you know, now we get, we get everyone going over to Nanda Parvet and to well, you know, Oliver wants to save, uh, Thea knows he must make a very, very big sacrifice. Um, but in the middle of all this, uh, Diggle tries to talk a little sense into Maceo, uh, Casey, what did you think of um, of what did you think of that conversation? I I love Diggle, man. Like I love every single thing that Diggle says ever because he's the most straightforward character. He's just like, "Yo, man, that's so uncool of you." <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I don't know. I I don't remember exactly how their conversation went. Uh, that was when I kind of started to stop paying attention. <laughs> I don't know if I've told you this before. I don't really like the Arrow, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Tell I, I us how you was, really feel, Casey. I thought it was cool that he was able to to talk. What, what's his name, Maceo? He talked Maceo out of, I don't know, being being so much of a dick. Like, be less of a dick, Maceo. And he's like, all right, cool, for a little while, and then he goes back to to working for Raj. Also, why is Raj so forgiving of Maceo? All of a sudden, he's like, nah, <laughs> that was the old you. Now you're back because you kneeled. I'm like, I don't know, but. I don't know if it works like that, Raj. I feel like you're smarter than that. So maybe he's yeah. planning. Maybe he's got something in mind for Maceo. I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a little bit interested to see where that character goes. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's what he said. He's like, I'm going to need you in the coming weeks. Yeah. So Raz is up to something. So he can't. He, he wants. I feel like he wants to kill him. Can't kill him yet because, as we know, Raz Al Ghul sucks at killing people for some reason. <laughs> he just can't do it. <laughs> He's. They always insinuate that he does it constantly. Never does it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so then we got Thea going into the Lazarus pit, and then jumping out like Exorcist like, style, like, like Gollum. Just, from, just, I, yeah, like I mean, it was kind of scary. I had to turn my TV down. I was like, whoa. Um, what, uh, uh, Lauren? What did you think of how she came back to life? And and the funny thing was, she immediately didn't know who Oliver was, but she knew who Malcolm was. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, I was seeing a lot of reactions on Twitter based on the trailer that they released. There was so much footage in the trailer that did not end up in that episode. There was a scene with Sarah Lance alive, like in her black outfit, walking that was not in the episode. Then there was a scene where they put Thea in the pit, but not like... Because Oliver lowers her down in what mm-hmm. we saw last night, or what we saw Wednesday night, but in the shot from the trailer, it's like Diggle, Felicity, Oliver, and a woman in a blonde wig, which I'm guessing is Sarah Lance, they're all standing around the pit in like a circle. That scene wasn't there either. And then there was another scene where John Berriman <clears throat> is leaning over Thea and is telling her, you don't have to come back if you don't want to. Man. All of that was cut between the time they made that trailer and the time this episode got out of the editing room. I think Sarah Lance was supposed to be in that episode last night. I wonder what into the went into the process with that, why they de- decided against it. It's very interesting. Yeah, and they cut all of her scenes. And so for me, going into that episode, I thought Thea would go into the pit and come out and be in like coma stasis. And like Malcolm would t- 
talk to her while she was like sleeping and there'd be this whole, is she going to come back? Is she not? I thought that was going to take up the whole episode. The fact that she was in underwater for about a minute and she came back out was like caught me off guard at how fast she was in the pit for. Yeah, that was very, very interesting. Um, and like I said, I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting that she was like, she forgot all of her, but then like, she was like, Oh, love you dad to Malcolm. I was like, Whoa, okay. Didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, and then, uh, we have the whole, uh, the scene that broke the internet, so to speak. Uh, Felicity and Oliver, what what Alicity has been waiting for for the past three seasons. Um, I even put it, whoa, sex scene! Uh, <laughs> exclamation point. Um, okay, Casey, what did you think of the them hooking up? I thought it was I like guess a happy, finally. I don't know. I I mean, I was I was into it. It was probably my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> it's like a half an hour. It was like a half an hour long, dude. It was like it was so drawn out. Like it was so drawn out. Uh, I think that they, they they needed some closure. There's been a lot of sexual tension. We have to address that. There's been a lot of sexual tension between Oliver and Felicity, uh, and uh, I don't know. I think they were kind of also on another page, uh, making up for the fact that not a whole lot actually really happens in this episode. I, I not a whole lot actually happens. Like Thea gets stabbed at the beginning, but she's alive. Uh, at the end of the episode, Thea's still alive. Uh, Oliver is still kind of not Ra's al Ghul yet, and everyone is no longer at, at Nanda Parbat. So, I mean, nothing has really, <laughs> nothing has really happened this episode, <laughs> aside from Felicity and Oliver sleeping together. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, and yeah, like we said, that was a pretty big deal. Um, Lord, also, you, uh, oh, wait. <laughs> can we just say, I laughed really hard when she roofies, <laughs> when she roofies I was just Oliver. about to talk about that. <laughs> Uh, Lorna, what do you think about that? What do you think of her, uh, you know, drugging uh, Oliver to get him out? I mean, the, you know, because ultimately there's no way out of this. Like, she can try and hide him wherever she wants, but the deal's done, right? Yes. It's just um, she goes and pleads her case to to Roz, but it's just not going to happen. And um, I mean, what did you think about the whole escape attempt? Well, first of all, I love that she confronted Ra's al Ghul. I feel like, I mean, I've always loved Felicity. She's one of my favorite characters on television right now. But Felicity, this season, I feel like has really found her voice. Because she helped Roy fake his death. And then... Was that yeah, that was the last episode. And then in this episode she confronts Roz and then she tries to rescue Oliver. I loved when she just barges out to Roz and is like, PS, you're crazy and you can't do this to <laughs> Oliver. I love that she just wasn't gonna go along with that. So that was a cool felicity moment. And the fact that she she just she winged it. She's like, I love him. I can't leave him here. So let's just knock him out and just find a way out of here. And I love how she looks at Malcolm and she's like, I've watched enough movies to know that every secret layer has a secret exit. So take me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that All was right. just so good. Now I have I have two things uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on. One is, uh, did you notice how I think she said I. Did she say I love you to Oliver or did Oliver – she said I love you to Oliver, right, when they yes. were about to, to get it on? He does not reply to that, uh, much like how uh, 
how what's his name Ray Palmer said it to Felicity and she didn't respond. Now we have a yeah oh. little, little crossover thing going there. Don't know I if you guys picked up that. on that. Right. Uh, it's it it could be nothing. Uh, it could also be something. So two that's interesting. There. I I did not I did not think about that. Um, yeah, but something something I don't, to I don't know. think he says it back. No. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on is what do you think about Oliver waking up in the secret tunnel and then and then thanking Felicity for roofing him? He's like, <laughs> I I appreciate it. Like, like, like yeah, nice effort, like, but I love little that, do you know, drugs don't tried. work. <laughs> yeah, he says, I love that you tried. And I'm glad that he wasn't mad at her. I'm glad that he didn't take out his frustration on her because she really was just trying to help. I also love that he exercised his authority as yeah. the new Ross. Like he knew that in that moment he could do that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he woke up and immediately like was like, stand down. You know, I was like, whoa. <laughs> All right, this is actually happening. Okay, man, he, so. he wakes up good to go in the morning. He is so <laughs> quick and just like, oh, all right, now he's on. It takes me a solid two hours to get to that <laughs> level of confidence in the morning. Um, so uh, real quickly, um, so at the end we had Thea kind of coming back to herself because they're laying on the on the couch and and she wakes up. She's like, "What are you doing here?" Um, do you think that was, uh, Lauren, do you think that was just kind of like a momentary thing? Do you think now it's, I mean, obviously there's a piece of Thea that isn't Thea anymore. We just haven't seen it yet. Do you think that's going to come? Do you think it's going to be in spurts? Um, do you think it's going to be a momentary thing, like when she forgot who Oliver was? What do you think about that? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that when she first woke up in Nanda Parbat, her, her first memory was the five years Oliver was gone. And Oliver is dead and Moira is alive. But then mm -hmm. she remembered that Barrowman was her dad. So that kind of didn't make sense because she didn't find out until after Oliver had returned. And then the fact that she woke up in Starling City remembering that she didn't like Malcolm, but then she didn't remember any of what happened in Nanda Parbat. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a, like a cool way to show that her memory is still kind of scrambled egg and that she's still really trying to figure out like what's real to her. And I wonder if we're going to see what's different about her in these next three episodes or if they're just going to wait to show us that until season four. Because I didn't see her in the trailer for next week's episode. Yeah, um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they handle that. Um, all right, so real quickly, we actually um, one of our followers, our our very interactive followers on Twitter, um, at poet underscore n underscore progress. Um, she talks to us a lot on Twitter. She's very cool. Yeah, she um, does. She, she said she's... I sucked at geography, and I do. <laughs> to be fair to her, I do suck at geography. <laughs> I, uh, this is why I'm the entertainment guy, <laughs> not not the geography guy. <laughs> um, so she had a lot uh, a lot of uh, concerns about Laurel's character in the show. Um, quite a few. I'm going to get to just one of them here, um, and that is uh, let's see here. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you handle this one, Lauren. She put Laurel needs to be a bigger part of the story. Her scenes with Quentin are stunning, but Black Canary isn't just a side character and deserves uh, the recognition. What, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of that for Laurel? Uh, 
Yeah, um, this is from Ellie Sheva, and I've been talking to her a lot this week, just about Laurel and and what we think, we're, like where they're going with her character. Season one, I really liked Laurel. I may have been the only person, but <laughs> I really, really liked her. I thought she was really strong. Season two, obviously, she had a drug problem and a drinking problem, and um, and now she's kind of coming into her own as Black Canary. And I loved seeing her on The Flash this week. I loved that Cisco completely fanboyed <laughs> all over her and was just like, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, personally, I would have liked to have seen her come into her own as Black Canary in season four because there was so much else going on in this season. It felt like they were. There was a lot of like superhero origin stories on the show this season with Arsenal and Black Canary and yeah. Thea and Ray Palmer. And so I kind of would have liked it if Laurel got like more time next season. But that being said, I like where they're going with her character. And I, I read the synopsis for next week's episode, which is episode 21, and the synopsis for the following week, which is episode 22. Um, and Laurel is going to play a really big part in Oliver's redemption story. I know that like the article pretty much said that Felicity, Diggle, and Laurel are going to become like a trinity of characters that are going to do everything they can to try to get Oliver back from essentially the dark side. So I think, Elisha, you don't have to worry about where they're going with Laurel. She is definitely going to come out of being like a side character back into being like a main member of team arrow for the rest of the season. Yeah. And she actually goes on to say that there will be much, be a much longer rant if she isn't a part of next week's episode. So I'm sure we'll be hearing something from her because Laura was only in like the last five minutes of the episode. Um, so that'll be, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and we get to hear her canary cry next week, which will be yes. really cool. Super excited. Oh! Super oh! excited about that. Um, all right. So moving on, um, we'll get to the flash in just a bit. Usually Matt, Casey and I cover Silicon Valley. We're going to do so real quick. Um, minus Matt. Um, oh, when it make me sad, Pete. Sorry. Sorry, Casey. Sorry. I know you love your boy. I know you love your boy. Um, my boy, my boy, my boy. So this week, um, we get some carryover from, uh, Richard and Pied Piper getting sued by Hooli. Um, yep. which was pretty hilarious. Um, the lawyer guy that th- their lawyer is just like the straight hippie dude who <laughs> is just cracks me up. <laughs> He's funny. Uh, what'd you think of that initial meeting when they, uh, got, got things kicked off in this episode, Casey? I, I like how real his lawyer is. He's just like, yeah, man, uh, you're going to need probably millions of dollars for a team of lawyers. And he's just like, well, I, thought you were my lord and he's like <laughs> what does he say i'm a i'm a i'm a law consultant or something yeah. like that and i'm <laughs> consulting you to get more lawyers <laughs> yeah that was uh that was hilarious um so they're doing this you know they're getting sued to get freezed out so huli can come out with their better product mm. and put it on the market and pretty much put pied piper out of business uh so with this happening um the business that did fund them um, is now pulling out, uh, and Monica has to deliver the unfortunate news, to yeah. which she is suggested to wear a uh, beige outfit, uh, because apparently <laughs> that is the thing to wear when you um, 
uh, are trying to let someone down easy about it's something. what she it's what she looks least attractive in. And yeah, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> uh, and Ehrlich was quick to pick pick up on it. He was like, "Yeah, you're, like, we're not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> you miscalculated. You still look good in beige. So ha." <laughs> I like Jared's like you. Jared's like yeah that is actually a good color on <laughs> that was something <laughs> oh um I really like the one the one eighty that it pulled from last week where last week everything was kind of looking up they were asking for less money they had a good trajectory they had a game plan and in one episode it all just kind of came crashing down now everyone is is pulling out they were so they did all the negging last week so now every company in Silicon Valley kind of hates them right now. Yeah, I mean, they go to every single company they can that they just just insulted, and and they can't get a dime from these guys. And um, the only one, the only one who will listen is uh, forgive forgive the term first of all, but it's it's the buzzword of the week. Every episode of Silicon Valley has a, a new <laughs> phrase. Last week it was nagging. This this episode it was mind rape. They're they're taking their ideas from a meeting in which they they're like oh yeah just explain how you do it and they're like oh gladly and they like oh, freak yeah. give up all of their secrets. Uh, so that's the buzzword for this week. Uh, that's a, that's funny. Mind rape. Yeah, I totally hated those guys though. I'm like oh man, they're stealing everything that these guys have been working on and they're gonna just totally screw them over. Um, and then think- and then oh sorry, go ahead. Do you think that we're going to see anything from that? Do you think that they gave them enough uh, for them to now be – or is that going to be a one-episode kind of thing? I, I think that would be a one-episode kind of thing because I think the main antagonist here is Hooli. I, I think adding the third person into a show like this, you know, this isn't like The Flash. This isn't Arrow where you can deal with two or three different bad guys at a time. This is this is just a comedy and, and it's, it's, it's really nothing more than that. And that's why I think that was just kind of a funny moment they had where they had a brain lapse um, and, and they didn't realize what was going on until Jared pulled Ehrlich out of the meeting and was like, um, yeah, these guys are totally stealing our ideas right now. We need to get out of this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was funny. Um, but I thought what was hilarious was the other side story going on, which was uh, Dinesh's what was his cousin setting up this app called bro this bro yep. app which i thought i'm like how has this not been created already it's, it's a, a it's it's based on an app called yo pete oh there's it an is. Actual, okay there's a real life app called yo in which the only thing you can do is send the word yo to other people who have the app are you uh, serious uh, yeah well i mean uh, i think the the creator of the app was quoted as saying uh Yo 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I just loved how Jared because Jared got that meeting with those guys who tried to steal their ideas through the bro app and he was like I broed you. I broed you. You did this we were, to me. We were bros. We were bros. We were bros, bro. <laughs> was so good. And then to make matters worse, uh, I can't forget I can't remember that character's name, but he's the guy that uh totally gives Dinesh a hard time. Oh, uh, uh, uh it's not Ehrlich, it's uh, Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle, like he, he's putting money into the cousins into the cousins uh, Kickstarter because then that'll take all the money that Dinesh had all away, which they need now. So um, I thought that was um, that was hilarious. Uh, so moving on, uh, Richard gets a call from a very unlikely person. Yeah, Gavin. The, they were know, very non. They were very nonchalant about that phone call. They were the very nonchalant. Meeting. And he has the hood on. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, you know we get them meeting at the restaurant at the end of the episode, and and uh, he's like, "Let's just call it a truce. You come work for me, and 
and uh, I get your product, but you still get something. And I, you know, I thought what was really interesting about Gavin's character uh, in this scene was he was surprisingly kind of real, like with what he was telling Richard. He was like, "What you don't?" Because Richard was like, "No, I don't want to work for your big corporate company." He was like, "What you don't think what I'm doing is what you're gonna eventually get to be doing?" Mm-hmm. He's like, it's- "Just you're a small little company right now, but you could eventually be this." He goes, "Don't act like you're some high and mighty." innocent guy because when success kicks in this is what you're going to be you're staring yeah. at what the future holds for you i uh, have what you think of that i have a lot of things to say about that actually first of all i think that it was a very clever interaction on on their part because i don't know if you caught this or not at the beginning of the episode uh we find out that richard used to actually work at at Hooli. he used to be a low-level oh, yeah, yeah. guy who worked at Hooli. Well, that was um, like the first episode wasn't it Maybe I, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I'm I'm not sure, but but now we, that, at least that's when I heard. That's when I heard that he worked at Hooli, and, and so we we now see Gavin Belson in this in this new light in which we can imagine where where when Richard was first starting out in the industry, he probably wanted to work at Hooli because Gavin Belson was probably an idol of his. He probably really looked up to him, and now he's turned out to be this colossal bag of dicks. Um, and <laughs> and uh, he's here in this he's here in this in this like Judas style meeting with him uh, on another. And so we have in a storytelling in a storytelling sense we have this clash with this father figure, and now he has to decide whether or not he's going to take the deal, cross over to the dark side, or or stick to his guns. <laughs> we also see the futility of what he's trying to do because eventually he, if he succeeds, he's just going to become Ga- he's just be- going to become Gavin Belson, and Gavin Belson knows it. Um, and uh, also, uh, in a writing sense, I didn't like how this episode ended. I don't normally have a problem with Silicon Valley, but I thought that that cliffhanger ending that dragged on for like two minutes as the credits roll, I thought it was just kind of, I don't know, it was just kind of placeholder. I feel like they didn't know how to end the episode, so they're just like, ah, we'll save the real cliffhanger for next week. I don't know if the next episode's going to open with just him saying flat up no or like flat up yes. If I had to wager a guess, I'd say the next episode probably has some kind of flashback to him working at Hooli or somewhere along the lines we'll see something like that. That's that's true. I mean, I didn't think about it like that, but um, I mean, I just thought of it as just as he was going to give his answer and I thought he was going to say no right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, they have the mariachi band come in and, and start playing that's music. Ni- that's a nice play. Say that. Say, say, say that again. Mariachi. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. Benevi- <laughs> <Benevides>. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they came in and they, they definitely played into the cliffhanger and I, I thought that was funny. It just made such an, it just, these, all these characters are so awkward and then it just made that, that restaurant cliffhanger that much more awkward, you know, and I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure Matt's listening, and and we know how much love we know how much Matt loves awkward situations. So yeah, yeah, it's just um, that was I, I thought it was kind of funny, but I can see what I can see your point, and I mean, obviously, this is going to get tackled the second we get back into um, the next episode of Silicon Valley. So, so that's our thoughts on this week's episode. What you have, did you want to say anything I have, else? I have one last big picture thing to say about okay. the show, and that is okay. that. The story itself follows a a sitcom that's doing this new kind of I mean sorry the the story itself follows a startup that's that's doing this new kind of compression algorithm thing um, and if that algorithm catches on and that's and that that 
little corporation grows, Pied Piper grows into something big like a real-life Apple equivalent, we can see the show later down the line following that same, that same kind of pattern. The show itself, I think, is using Pied Piper as a parallel for the show because it's a new kind of nerd comedy. It's really kind of edgy. They're trying out something new. And if it catches on, we, we can see maybe two or three seasons down the road if it becomes a very popular show, we now have a massive Hooli sized Pied Piper <laughs> where and in in a world now that has infinite possibilities, if they have a ton of money, then they could take the show pretty much wherever they wanted. They could be doing like deals overseas or or coming out with new products or something like that and explore the comedic situations in there. So I think huh. I think that was an interesting an interesting allegory I thought of the other day is that there's there's kind of a metaphor for the show itself within the show. Wow, oh, very interesting. Very interesting. That's a good take, Casey. That's what so, I'm looking for. <laughs> so, uh, rounding out TV talk, uh, we are going into The Flash, <laughs> which uh, I thought was really, really good this week. And it started on um, a pretty lighthearted scene um, that got not lighthearted. Did, well, it didn't stay lighthearted because they all actually had to leave. Yeah, they're eating pizza. They're eating pizza, you know. They're like, "Oh, it's a pizza party." No, we're here to talk about Wells and super happy really fun time, man. <laughs> uh, and and Caitlin's still skeptical, um, you know. As she just does not buy it. This is this is her mentor. This is someone she's looked up to for years, and and someone that she wants to be like. Um, Lauren, what did you think of uh, Caitlin? Um, Caitlin's skepticism at first, and and ultimately where it led led her. Yeah, it was. Kaylin was having a really hard time with the whole thing, and it's like Joe was on board with it, Barry was on board with it, Cisco was on board with it, and Kaylin was like, "I really don't want to be here right now. I really don't want to accuse this man that that I owe my life to, my career to. He, you know, the man that saved Barry, that helped saved." Ronnie that helped save the person that she loves. So I, I can definitely see where Kaylin's coming from in terms of not wanting to jump on this. Let's just accuse Dr. Wells bandwagon. And I thought that played out really well. Um, obviously until the very last bit, which we'll probably get to later where she finally gets proof because she's a scientist. So mm -hmm. she bases her, her life experiences in proof and in evidence. And so I think she really needed the evidence that she gets at the end to finally believe that he would ever be capable of something as awful as killing Barry's mom. So, you know, as we move on in that episode from that, um, Eddie and Iris is still fighting. And it's, you know, obviously it gets resolved at the end. But, um, Casey, what did you think of the ongoing arguments and Ira's just not giving in and Eddie's just like, what the hell do I do? My mind's going to be blown because I can't say anything to Iris. Um, I still think Iris needs to chill out just a little bit. <laughs> she needs to chill out just a little bit. I, she's getting better, though. Uh, I think that she's becoming closer and closer to to finding out the secret. I think she will eventually find out the secret and maybe she'll join join the team. I don't know what it is it's like in the comics. I don't know if she just never knows in the comics or if she finds out. Uh, maybe you guys do. I, I don't. We'll have to ask Andy okay. about that one. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure she finds out because she and Barry in the comics end up together and have kids and I think they have a speedster baby. So. <laughs> oh, wow. 
little sweetie baby. Um, well, I, I think that she could be an integral part of the team if she would just chill out. If she would just chill out a little bit. Uh, but I mean, if if they do eventually end up together, like, how does that affect Barry's relationship with Eddie? That's kind of that's a whole awkward thing that'll have to be dealt with. Uh, part of me wants to say that Eddie might die in one of these episodes, uh, and that's how they get around that. Hopefully not. I kind of like Eddie. I really like Eddie these days. <laughs> um, um, that brings up a good question we had from a listener. Gavin Richter, also known as Kid Colson, and the adorable little boy who actually recited the opening to The Flash at Paley oh. Fest. Oh. Um, he asked two questions, but I'll start with the second half of his question. Um, can, if Eddie Thawne dies... Would there ever be an Aobard Thawne in the future? Ooh, that's a very good question. But I mean, we also don't know how if how Eddie is related. Like we know he's a distant relative, as Harrison said to Cisco. Um, but we don't know. Like he could be like some sort of cousin or something. It doesn't, um, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that like he's you know maybe like a grandfather or father or whatever i mean it's i'm trying i don't even know how far the future you know eobard thon is but um i guess it's for me it's hard to say right now only because we don't know his direct connection with 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 eddie and eobard thon we don't know the direct connection we just know they're related somehow they're distant they're a distant relative so they're, yeah and I, I think that the fact that we don't know how they're related adds even more uh, of an emphasis on Eddie's character. I'm definitely – because I, I hadn't even considered that. I didn't even I acknowledge that. Uh, I'm definitely going to be paying more attention to his character now. Like it would be super funny if it's just like one episode he gets like kicked in the nuts or something and <laughs> Dr. Dr. Wells just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I, back to the uh, future style. <laughs> yeah, he clicks on old photograph. Starts away. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 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 did, was another question, Lauren, or is that it? Um, no, he has another question about Doctor Wells. Let me pull it up here. Do do Oh, um, he's asking. Now that we know that Wells isn't Wells, do you think they'll be able to save the real Wells? And if they kill Aobard Thawne, does Wells die too? And and my answer to this is yes. I hope that whenever Barry goes back in time, he can go back to before Aobard Thawne killed Harrison Wells, like the real Harrison Wells. Mm-hmm. And that he can save him from that ever happening. So that season two, Tom Cavanaugh, is the real Harrison Wells. Yeah, That would be I'm, interesting. I'm excited to see that also in the same sense that it will further explain how time travel works in this universe. Like, I don't know. Because there are some shows that stick to it. 12 Monkeys kind of did this thing where, like, time... The timeline is linear in a sense. They they stray away from that in some episodes, but uh, but like like no matter what you do, go back in time and change. Uh, it won't really change anything because that event will have led to the other events that send you back in time to change the events itself. <laughs> so I I don't know if it's all if it's all for not. Maybe him going back in time and fighting 
Ear, what's his name? Eobard Thal. I can't pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> Eobard Thon. Thon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if if fighting him is what like sends him into the future, or maybe their scrap kills well. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but I'm excited to see how that how that pans out and how the rules how the rules work. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see if how that plays into saving um, the real Harrison Wells. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, I I would love to see like you know, hair, like real Harrison Wells, but, you know, also going back in time and, and changing that would completely alter so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there, you know, obviously Eobarthon by taking over the body of Harrison Wells sped up the whole reactor, uh, going on at Star labs. So if he kills Eobarthon and the real Har- uh, Harrison Wells lives, you know, obviously this would have to happen in the past. So with that, I guess would that completely alter everything? Like, you know, would, you know, bear, I, and I, I think, you know, I think Amy said the same thing, something similar to would Barry become the Flash? In, yeah, right. This is a time so, travel. Yeah. yeah, and so that's that's why I would wonder, like, as much as I want to see them save Harrison Wells and, and see the real Harrison Wells, you're, you're, you're playing with, uh, you're kind of playing with time travel fire here when you, you do things like that because then things are altered and, you know, unless it's like some sort of crazy multiverse that we've talked about here on the show so many times, you know, um, and, and one thing replaces another. And I, I don't know. It's so, I feel like it gets so complicated and I hope it doesn't get super complicated, but there are so many things that go into saving Wells at that moment in time and altering everyone else's future. So, um, I don't know. That's what I think. <laughs> it creates a it creates a weird paradox. It does. Yeah. Because if you yeah. save Wells, then maybe Wells makes it so that the reactor never explodes, never gives Barry his powers, and then Barry is unable to go back in time and save Wells. And now they have this weird paradox, and then the universe explodes. That's how that works. That's a really good point, and I think the the only solution that the show has presented so far to that kind of paradox is that the death bolt character from last week's Arrow episode, the guy with the glowy eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They, uh, Ray Palmer takes him to Star Labs and they put him in the pipeline and he and Cisco name him. They're trying to figure out the whole time, well, he's a metahuman, so he must have been exposed to the particle accelerator in Central City. But then they point out that he was in prison somewhere else. And they kind of ask the question, how can he be a metahuman without the particle accelerator? So maybe if Barry does go back in time and saves Wells and saves his mom, then Harrison Wells and his wife or fiance can continue to work on the particle accelerator, but not have it explode. And that Barry can find another way to get flash powers without having the explosion. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe, Maybe. it's Maybelline. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, I don't know. That's, oh man, this is so interesting. Now, now I got the wheels turning. Now I'm like wondering like, now can I'm just, wondering like how can we can... <laughs> can we pause the podcast and just sit and like contemplate <laughs> just let things like load for a minute? I know. Right? <laughs> Buffering. Yeah. Buff- yeah. Buffering. <laughs> little little beach ball shows up on my face. Um wow. This is a very interesting. Thank you for the question. Uh Kid Colson. We really yeah, that was that. fascinating. Thank you. 
Um, and uh, to all the other viewers, uh, if you like that, uh, send us your send us your questions. Make them ridiculous. C- yes. See what at happens. At Scene and Nerd, you can reach us there, or our email, sceneandnerd at gmail.com. Uh, so getting back to this last week's episode. Um, so uh, I thought this was really cool. We had kind of a mini crossover. Um, we had Cisco and, and uh, Joe going over to Starling City to locate the uh, the body of Harrison Wells. Uh, what did you think of that little mini crossover, Lauren? I thought that was really, really cool. I'll, I'll tell you why, for a couple different reasons. One, the fact that we got to see Detective Lance and Laura Lance in daylight. <laughs> okay just let that buffer for a second in yeah, the daytime with the light of the sun mm, on their does faces not, does not compute <laughs> was amazing I mean Arrow has really taken a turn to be the nighttime superhero show mm. like season one Tommy and Oliver were still going to parties. They were still drinking and having a good time. You know, there was still like young adult teeny music playing in the episodes that I really enjoyed. Um, But the further we've gotten away from season one, the less daylight we see, the less partying (laughs) we see, the less music we hear. It's mostly just lots of dramatic things happening. Mm -hmm. So I love seeing Lance. Both of the lances, like, in daylight. And I love seeing them with the flash music playing in the background. I was yeah. like, oh, look, Lance, yeah. he's kind of happy right now. Huh. It definitely good- was, like, it was a definitely, like, a completely different tone. Like, it's like you said, like, we're just not used to seeing, like, this from from these characters in the show. Um, yeah. You, know, you, you would have thought the sun got suspended for some somehow or something from Starling City. Um but you you had mentioned it earlier. Uh, you have Cisco meeting Laurel for the first time, and I thought their interaction was hilarious because you know she pulls them into the you know interview room and and she's like she's like uh, oh, what is she she says something like oh uh, I know Oliver and and Barry and she's like he's like oh two people who like have nothing to do with each other or something like that and 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 uh she's like i'm the black canary and he's like what no (laughs) are you serious i just love he's like i love you i just like cisco's the best and that was just that was so awesome when he was talking to to laurel about about all that but um casey what'd you think about him fanboying or you know (laughs) the the amy equivalent of fangirling I I absolutely adore Cisco's character. Um, I like that they put him in there because, um, as a viewer, you want to identify with Barry. Uh, you 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 want to like be like, oh, in my life, I have to come up with, I have to make important decisions too, and he has to make important decisions. He's a superhero, makes me f- kind of feel like a superhero. But I think it's a lot easier for a viewer to identify with Cisco, who is just a <laughs> fanboy implanted into the show. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love Cisco's character because he he says what we're all thinking. Like, are you serious? No, <laughs> no way. You're the Black Canary. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that's that's me. If I met Haley Atwell at Comic Con, exactly. just like what? Just like a huge smile on my face, it's... grinning the whole time and not knowing what to say. Oh, absolutely. Um, thousands do- thousands of dollars worth of mechanical work for a photograph. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So moving on from that. Um, so what did you guys think? Uh, Laura, Laura, uh, Lauren, I was gonna say Laurel. I was gonna say Laurel. <laughs> um, Lauren, what did you think of them going, uh, you know, they, they got to snoop around Starling City, but not exactly tell, um, not to tell, not tell uh, Captain Lance uh, what they're doing exactly. They got to be really, you know, kind of undercover with this. Yeah, they were pretty covert about it up until the point where the coffee in Lance's cup started to float out of his cup. <laughs> I think that was the point where Lance was like, uh, there's a little bit of timey-wimey stuff going on over here, guys. Um, <laughs> I got that reference, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really cool how they found a way to track where a speedster has been. They were detecting like the tachyon emissions, um, which is a really clever way to do it. And it was cool that they were able to like track down the body. It was really sad that they recovered Harrison Wells' remains. Yeah. And, you know, later they had it like displayed on the table. And Caitlin was like, <laughs> this is the real Dr. Wells? Oh, no. <laughs> So that was, I was really well done. It was a really well done crossover. I really liked how they were able to bring in not superhero characters like Oliver, but like just regular people like Detective Lance. It was great. Or Captain Lance. It was great to see him on the show and working with Joe and how Joe was like, Laurel is your daughter. Yeah. No matter what she does to you, no matter what secrets she keeps from you, you need to love her. And I had never thought that we would see Captain Lance get like some therapy with Laurel via the Flash characters. I thought that was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I, I thought it, it really was perfect. I mean, if anyone could go and talk sense into him, it was Joe. Joe is like, the man so it was perfectly it was perfectly set up it was it was just perfect for him to go and and talk to him because i mean they both were late they both have daughters um they're both have daughters and you know they want to make sure they, they stay they keep them out of harm's way um make sure they stay safe and, and it's like you said you know you got to love your daughter you, you 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 keep that bond don't don't break it no matter how bad things are and and I really hope that it got through to him because um, I, I really hope we get to see that carry over on more episodes of, of Arrow. So let's let's hope Joe's words stick. Um, so uh, getting to the bad guy this week, we had the the metahuman that can shapeshift. Um, that was really really crazy uh, and mm-hmm. and made some for some very interesting moments on the show. Yes, uh, it did. Yeah, yes, uh, it Casey, did. what did you think of? Um, what did you think of him turning into Eddie and shooting cops and then turning into Barry and becoming this creepy, creepy, creepy Barry and kissing Caitlin? Uh, I really like how clever the writers are on this show because this character was very interesting and I think they capitalized on everything uh, that was conceivably – that he could have conceivably done, uh, turn into Barry and fulfill some of the some of the things that viewers have been wondering, like, oh, is there something there between Kaylin and Barry? I, I don't know. I kind of want them to kiss. I kind of don't want them to kiss. And in this episode, they're like, yeah, fuck it. Just have them kiss. We can do it. 
with no consequences because it's the bad guy. So like they have the same actor who gets to kiss the same actress and then they can just say like, oh, never mind. He was a bad guy. You can forget about that. <laughs> also, uh, they, they did something interesting where um, they keep emphasize they keep finding new ways to emphasize Barry's humanity as not just a speedster but also just like a just like a normal guy who has to just push himself like when uh, they weren't sure what his powers were and Wells is just like well got to chase him down the old fashioned way and he cop style just like runs it out i uh i uh, i thought that was interesting cuz now we get to see Barry doing regular police stuff chasing someone down on foot at regular slow motion speeds <laughs> That was that was super unique, and I would have never guessed that they were going to do something like that. And it just goes to show that they really capitalized on on this particular character and and all of the interesting plot points that they could have gone to through that. Yeah, I, I especially thought it was funny when um, he when Barry did kiss Caitlyn, and he kissed her twice. And the second time he kissed her, Caitlyn actually kissed she got her into back. it. Yeah. yeah. We all, we all noticed. I know that we all noticed because I was kind of hoping for it too. <laughs> Secretly, I was like, please, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Lord, what did you think of all, of all that? I thought it was really cute. I, I, I love Barry and Caitlin's chemistry. And, you know, really, I'm saying I really like Grant and Danielle's chemistry. I think they're really fun together, they're really sweet together. Um, you know, I don't ship them in any kind of like I think they need to have sex kind of way, but I think their scenes together are really fun. And I love that at first, like her eyes were open in the kiss, and she was like, This is so <laughs> awkward. And then she was like, Oh, this is actually kind of nice. But oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Get off. Um, I know, like, oh, yeah, that was good. Sorry, go ahead. Um, and then Charlie, he does the emergency awesome, uh, like, he has a YouTube channel where he recaps all these shows, and he said that when Caitlin slapped the real Barry to wake him up, it was, like, the delayed slap from the kiss, which I mm-hmm. thought that was, like, a good observation. Yeah, I, I thought that was really good, and, and I also really enjoyed, and I'm sure Grant Gustin enjoyed kind of playing a different part of a different... yeah. A different yeah. way of playing Barry Allen because just like little moments when, you know, uh, they're they're at the computer and, and there's a picture of um, – oh, no, there's like the phone rings or something and it's Caitlin. Or, I mean, I'm not Caitlin, like, no, Iris. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. like Iris is like, oh, uh, her. Like it was just like – I'm like, is that – is Caitlin not picking up on any of this? Like it's just – it was just so hilarious and I just enjoyed how Grant Gustin really played that. Like it just – like I don't know if you guys have ever seen Smallville but – it was always fun to watch when Tom Welling, you know, Clark Kent was manipulated and had to become like an evil version of himself. And you got to see him kind of become like a bad boy. And it was kind of funny because he was just completely opposite of who Clark Kent was. And mm-hmm. I saw the and that's what made that's what I thought of during this episode of, of The Flash when it was, you know, evil Barry. Like it was just it was it was really fun watching Grant Gustin uh Really get into that just in the brief brief time he had. Yep. It's always cool when you have characters do that swap. Like in Spider-Man 3. Nah, I'm just kidding. Spider-Man 3 was terrible. <laughs> I like how he didn't go like full evil. He was just kind of like cautiously approaching everything. Like he wasn't like vicious or wicked or mean or anything. He was just different which was kind of fun and i love that grant has kissed every woman on this show so far like he's kissed danielle he's kissed 
Iris, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess who's he played by Candace Patton, and he's kissed Felicity. He's kissed everybody. All Damn, right, Laurel, Justin. you're up. <laughs> God, no. Just say, just no. say. Please, no, I don't want that. Don't he's want a lucky that. guy. All I'm trying to say is he's a, he's a lucky guy. He's a very yeah. lucky no. guy. What does it take uh, to get a job on Glee? Do you guys know? <laughs> <laughs> you get a springboard that career, huh, Casey? Yeah, man, I need to. <laughs> uh, on this podcast, I gotta go, guys. Sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> resume. Uh, so I, I thought the uh, I thought it was interesting how they took down um, uh, the Everyman as Caitlin named him um, because it was very T one thousand. He started shifting into everybody he had ever turned into. Yeah, it's very uh, mystique too when she gets stabbed in X Men one. Yeah. yeah, and I and I got to have the I got to have the viewer the viewer satisfaction of watching Barry punch Iris right in the throat. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> I was like, damn, damn, they really know what the viewers want right now. <laughs> oh my god! I, I loved how intense that scene got. I mean, he had a little bit of hesitation when he was transforming into like Eddie and and Iris and things like that, but eventually he's just like. No, nah, these people aren't real, and he just ah punched him right in the right in the throat. <laughs> Man, it's that was cool that those actresses and actors <laughs> got more screen time this yeah. week. Yeah, like, especially for somebody cool. like Iris, who doesn't have a superpower and she doesn't have any fighting skills. She like her stunt double got to do some like cool kick spins and twists mm-hmm. and things. That was I liked that. That was very cool. Um, and it was kind of creepy that when the guy finally was done shifting, like, he was just this kind of... It was all weird and morphed. It was weird, like... No just, eyelids. Like, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of this creepy, weird guy. And, you know, he didn't know who he was or where he... How he even started. And and Hannibal Bates. I love that name. <laughs> I, need to, I need to change my Twitter handle to Hannibal Bates. Please no one, don't. Oh, God, <laughs> no please don't. No a cannibalistic psychopath who kills people because he loves his mother. Please don't. <laughs> oh. um, I have a theory about okay. that whole how that all went down. So okay. we know that Aobard Thawne is using technology to make himself look like Harrison Wells. And Caitlin just developed that serum that makes you turn back, like makes your genetics turn back into who you really are. So I think at some point they're going to stab Dr. Wells with that. And they're going to see the face of the real Aobard Thon. I think, I think that does definitely happen, but that also sets up a situation in which Wells could stab Barry with the same thing. And now you have a powerless Barry fighting a speedster Wells. Right, but it wouldn't take his powers. It would just change his face, right? His, appear- his appearance, right? Doesn't it? Dis- it doesn't it disable their their powers temporarily or something like that? I think it. Just or no, it's just appearance. His because his was like a morphing power. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's no, that's right. Because there was the. I think it was just designed for his shape shifting abilities. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like it was cortisone to stop the cells from from communicating. Yeah, from yeah, like turning that's how they, something else. How they so explode. we could they could anyway. use it on Wells soon which would be really cool because then they can see him for who he really is because it would be hard for them to fight the man with the face that like yeah. they love but when Barry has un- no problem with that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he punched himself in the face he punched himself square in the face well what's interesting about that and I, I think of something a few episodes back of when somebody leaked a picture of 
Oliver, uh, Barry, and um, Ronnie all in yeah. yeah all in costume against Reverse Flash. But even though like from the from the back it looks like Harrison Wells, I guess I'm I don't know maybe I'm just like I'm reaching here, but I guess there's, there is a possibility that that could actually be the real Eobor Thawne that we see because you never see that guy's face. So I'm just saying like you know. That might happen. It, it might. That I might, might be reaching. I might, could might be happen. completely wrong. So who knows? Yeah, they finally released the synopsis for that episode. It's called Rogue Air, and it's the penultimate episode. It's the one just before the finale. But I, I don't want to read the synopsis, even though I've seen some pictures. I kind of want to be unspoiled. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's safe to say it's safe to say that might happen. I think that's yeah, I, that's what I'm tempted to just. I, I'm. Definitely staying away from spoilers. Like, I'm really trying hard to not click on these trailers that are popping up saying, oh, my God, this is epic last four episode trailer. Um, uh, you know, and I, I just I like you, Lauren. I want to be very much surprised. Like, you have to uh, leave something to the element of mystery. Like, I've read up on some of the Arrow synopsises, but I don't feel like that was anything new. Like, we know that they're trying to get Oliver back from the League. But for The Flash, there's, like, so many plates spinning in the air right now that yeah. I kind of want to see, like, what they're going to do with it all. Yeah. I, I would not want to spoil them because they, so they have so many ways that it could pan out, and I don't want to know exactly what happens. Only because right. only Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> funny, funny enough, that's a that that statement itself is an absolute. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. nicely, done, Casey. nicely yeah, done, Casey. Nicely done. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, just to end this uh, portion of the Flash TV talk, at the very end we have the post-credit scene where Barry, Cisco, and Caitlin find. Uh, I'm call- I'm just calling him Eobarthon now. Um, Eoborthon's lair, uh, yes. hidden. Which in on the Flash apps. podcast we call the Future Room. The future. Oh, very nice. I like that. The uh, so, um, it's a good name, Casey. What did you think of? Um, what did you think of how they found it? And then they also found uh, this communicator this that speaks to Harrison Wells, and they found the newspaper that says the Flash is missing. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think that <clears throat> no one should know too much about their own future, Barry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that it's it's interesting how much they're allowing Barry's character to know about his own future. He he knows that he goes missing now, and he knows that he fights Wells, and he knows that Wells is Eobarthon and also Speedster. He knows all this stuff, and all this tension is mounting. Like, when is he going to do something about it? Um, I thought it was cool to answer your question. Uh, Lauren, what did you think of that? That was such a great moment. And I saw somebody ask this on Twitter. Why was Barry's hand allowed to open the room? What? <gasps> oh, oh my God. I didn't even, I, <laughs> I, oh no. Oh no, Lauren, what have you done? Uh, <laughs> Do you need a minute ball. to buffer? <laughs> the beach ball's back. Oh no. So either the hand is not fingerprint or genetically encoded, and it's just like a door handle <laughs> that, that anyone can use. Okay, that seems or unsafe. Or 
it was just a writer's oversight, which I highly doubt because they're really smart people. Or, or Barry is say it. is is Eobard Thon. That would be another explanation, maybe. Or like Barry's kids and the Thon kids end up getting together, and then like Zoom is a future version oh, of man. both of these families. <laughs> I don't know. I hope oh, they address that. Oh my gosh. Oh. Can we, so <laughs> I think it's confirmed at this point in the last episode we're gonna see a speedster like Barry like baby like just like zoom in from the past just like goo goo gaga <laughs> you killed my father prepare to die <laughs> I'm your mother, mother. smack him in the shins with a rattle and then just like oh gone. my gosh you know I um there was something I did find you know I was recently doing my comic book uh, research. Our comic book movie research, uh, you know, all the stuff I do for my segment. Mm-hmm. And there was something actually in there connected to this end scene. And um, I guess what it is is somebody did a uh, a comic preview for uh, a scene in The Flash that depicts next week's episode. And I'm not sure if it's the beginning of the episode or if this is something that is kind of shown during the middle of the episode. But I don't know. Do you guys want me to tell you guys about it? Because it's not... It's not necessarily a spoiler. It's more of like a huge Easter egg that they drop. And I'm not sure if this is going to be in the show or what. But, I mean, that's what it's saying. What's next week's episode called? Do we know? Oh, I can't remember. Because this week's episode was episode 19, right? It's one behind Arrow. Because this week, Arrow was episode 20. And it was what? Who is Harrison Wells? So next week is 20. The following week is 21, which I'm pretty sure is Grodd Lives. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. 22 is Rogue Air. But what's next week? I don't even know. I'm not sure. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, this thing, this this is like a comic book panel. So it's not like, it's it's just. Oh, next week's episode is called The Trap. Okay. Where they are going to trap Eobard Thawne. I mean, there was only one thing I wanted to tell you guys, but if you guys don't want me to tell you guys, I can, I can hold off. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, like remember when they go into the room, um, and they see the newspaper, like that the voice that talks to Harrison Wells, the um, Gideon, Gideon, talks to Barry. Oh, and oh man, I want to say it so bad, but I can wait till we're done recording if you guys want me to wait. No, the, I'm just say. I'll take my headphones out. Say it for the listeners. <laughs> right, go ahead. So it's really nothing much um, because Gideon says, "Good evening, Barry Allen." And Barry Allen's like, "What? You know who I am?" And he goes, "Of course, Barry Allen, director of Central City Police CSI Division, also known as the Flash, founding member of the Justice dot dot dot." And then he gets cut off. Oh my god! So, what? What? You seem very excited. You seem very excited from this screen that I'm seeing, and it's scary. Oh, my God. Like, in The Flash? Like, really? Oh, man. So. That better be in the episode. I hope it is, because, I mean, that's the way it, it looks, you know, and I'm not. This this is coming from comicbookmovie.com, uh, so. Uh, yeah, I mean. He's, he's wondering if he can put his headphones I'm going to put my headphone back in there. Okay, you're good, okay. Casey. Okay, so All right, ahead. okay. But yeah, so like, and I read that, I was just like, what? Like, really? Are we getting that? 
Wow. So, yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> the you... CW tweeted that comic book page out from oh. their main flash oh, wow. site. So that's not... Oh, so, so they want people to know that then. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. oh, did you guys uh, notice that uh, Gideon referred to uh, Barry as the Flash, the leader of the, the police uh, justice, and then he was cut off? Did you guys notice that? It was, That's uh, what we just talked exactly about. Yeah, I know. I could hear you in the monitor across the room. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really work. I tried to safeguard myself, and it didn't work out. Oh, anyway. sorry. Sorry, Casey. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> If I wanted to be completely spoiler-free, I'd have to move into the wilderness. <laughs> the internet just kind of makes that impossible. That's true. Oh, all right. So <laughs> that's how we're going to end TV talk with uh, a good talk. Of Easter egg of Justice League in the Flash. So very, very interesting. I'm sure there's this another, there's another cool um, Justice League Easter egg. Whenever they're in the Central City Police Department, that big gold mural that says like justice, liberty, and something else, everybody designed into that mural is based on a member of the Justice League. Oh, very, very cool. That's awesome. I like that. I'm going to have to go back and watch The Flash now just to look at that. That is very cool. So that is going to end the TV talk for this week. And wow, that was fun. What a TV talk it was. What a TV talk it was. It was so good. Um, all right, so we're getting to the show like we always do, uh, and that is uh, your classic movie or TV pick for this week. Uh, Lauren, what do you got for us? Hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. Let me think. <laughs> I can um, go if you need time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, my movie pick uh, was a movie that came out when I was in uh, third grade, so so 2003. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh it's a classic Jack Black film. It is School of Rock, in oh. which Jack Black gets to play Jack Black <laughs> and uh, teach a, a class of very gifted uh, elementary school students how to, how to rock the building, how to bring things down. Um, I love that it's a story that I think is very unique. I don't really I, – I was watching it the other day, and I, I can't really think of any other stories that – that have a similar storyline where like this kind of loser finds a bunch of kids and then like te- the kids teach him about himself, but he also becomes super cool because of the kids and they help each other. And it's that, and he goes into the fundamentals of how rock works and he gets back to the core of it. Like you got to sing about something you're angry about. What makes you mad? Uh, homework and chores and lay a sick guitar solo on top of it and, and drums. And, um, there's like a, a little miniature story arc for each one of the kids in the band and, and the school over his own arc. And it's, it's really a beautiful film. Like it, <laughs> I can see why it's so critically acclaimed. You wouldn't expect School of Rock to be uh, as, as cool as it is, but, but I think it's definitely uh, – I would consider it a cinematic masterpiece. Oh, very nice, Casey. Very nice, mm-hmm. you said. Uh, Lauren? Okay, I'm going with a current – uh, something that's on the air right now. And I want to plug Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I what? know that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a very divisive show in the nerd community. Some people love it, like myself. Some people can't stand it and don't like watch it. Like myself? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I want to recommend it because a lot of what they're doing right now is going to lead into Age of Ultron. 
And they did a fantastic bookend to like two episode bookends for Winter Soldier last year with leading into the whole reveal of Hydra and then what happened after Hydra was revealed. And so for anybody who's kind of put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the back burner, um, I would suggest, and you can get the episodes on Hulu and on ABC Now and on demand, the last three, four, the last four episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reveal this whole other side of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like when S.H.I.E.L.D. totally broke apart in Winter Soldier, it kind of splintered off into all of these different groups. And Coulson has his group, but he's not the only group. There are other people of S.H.I.E.L.D. out there. And it's it's kind of building up to a little bit of like Civil War tension. But I know that the next, let's see, next week's episode is going to tie into Age of Ultron. And then the episode right after Age of Ultron comes out is also going to tie in. And then they're doing a two-hour season finale. So that's my recommendation is nice. for people to just to get like rev up their Ultron engine a little bit and watch some S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, this is nice. definitely the this is definitely the time when I would when I started paying attention uh, <laughs> last last time around the last time there was an Avengers movie. Yeah, and we'll definitely be talking about the huge season finale here uh, when it goes down and how it all connects to Ultron because uh, it's going to be really really interesting and I'm excited about it for sure. Um, all right, so mine's uh, real quickly. This is going to be mine that I was going to actually pick for last week, but I completely, you know, if you remember, if you if you heard last week's show, <laughs> I must have it throughout like five or ten times, basically <laughs> half of the show. Yeah. Um, so my pick for last week, wa- and which is now this week, is Zoolander. Hey. Um, I made that pick just because, like, you know, you guys heard me, like, rant about Paul Blart and how silly it is. Um, and I to me, like, it's... Zoolander is is kind of like that, but I can enjoy Zoolander. Like it's just so stupid. It's funny. It's um, it's intelligent <laughs> stupid humor. It's it's Ben Stiller saying that his friends died in a freak gasoline fight accident. <laughs> that is what personifies that movie. To a wham song. That that's just yeah, like that's, a- <laughs> that's just never gonna get old. So, and then you know, sadly he had to give their you googly, which you know is a whole, whole thing. Um, but. I love I love Zoolander, so I think that if you've never seen it, you should really check it out because yes. it's something you can sit down and watch for an hour and a half. You don't really need to like you know pour yourself into it. Just sit back, eat some popcorn, watch the movie. It's 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 a good time. So yeah. and also uh, uh, Zoolander two is is in production right now. It is uh, will be coming out soon. I'm I follow good. I follow Ben Stiller on Instagram. He's oh he he posts behind the scenes stuff constantly. So. Oh, very nice. Very shout nice. out. Shout I know out. they crashed New York Fashion Week and they yeah. did a Blue Steel reenactment with him and Owen Wilson, which is fantastic. Oh my God, that's awesome. I missed that. I need to find that. That's hilarious. Um, yes. um, I do have an old, an old movie recommendation. I totally forgot. Um, oh. For anyone who has Netflix and you like really campy, really hilarious, funny stuff, watch Soap Dish. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. It's a movie from the late 80s. It has Robert Downey Jr., Whoopi Goldberg, Sally Field, Elizabeth Shue, Kevin Kline, Willie Garrison, anyone who's anybody was in this movie. And it is so Mm -hmm. campy and so hilarious. Oh, Carrie Fisher's in it. Um, I highly recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, that is an oldie but goodie. That is a good one. So that'll be Matt's pick for the week. 
Okay. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Oh, man. That was good. So, all right. So that's going to do it for our show this week. I hope you enjoyed everything we talked about today. Um, we'll be back again next week. For now, um, Lauren, tell everyone where they can find you and tell them about the work you're doing over at um, EW Community. Yeah, well, um, it was really great talking about Arrow today, and I actually got to write about Arrow for our, our EW community. Every Friday, we post our MVPs of the week, and we've had a lot of different great actors um, highlighted over the last few weeks. We did Ming-Na Wen, we did... Um, I'm totally blanking on the actor who plays Cisco in The Flash. Carlos Valdez. Yes. Um... We've had Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. We've just had some really awesome people. And so this week I nominated everybody from Arrow, but unfortunately they got beat out by Amy. What's her name? Amy Amy Schumacher. Schumacher. Amy Schumacher. Schumacher. But um, the woman who was doing the MVP article, she emailed me and she's like, hey, Arrow got a lot of nominations. They just didn't win this week. Do you want to do a little write-up about them? So that article is actually going live later today. And I just talked about how, just how emotional everybody played these roles. And like John Barrowman walking into that hospital room, like eyes full of tears. I've never seen him like that before and the fact that Oliver cried and then Malcolm cried um so you can find that on community.ew.com under mvps of the week and then if you guys want to just chat with me I'm always around on twitter lauren underscore galloway um also on assembly of geeks we've been doing a ton of coverage from star wars celebrations so for anybody who wasn't able to attend and you want to hear some of the interviews with ashley Eckstein from her universe who voices um character of ahsoka on rebels we did a great roundtable interview with her um, the voice actors who do the Shakespeare Star Wars, we got to talk to them and interview them. So you can find all of that on iTunes or on our website at Assembly of Geeks. Awesome. Um, and as soon as uh, that article is out, we will be sure to tweet it out so you can uh, read what Lauren wrote up. Um, Casey, where can they find you? Hey, every now and then if I find an inter- interesting article, uh, I post it on Twitter so you can uh, see my... <laughs> My non-credible opinions there. Uh, if I'm not posting on Twitter, then I'm definitely posting on Instagram because uh, I get lost a lot. And when I get lost, I take pictures and then I put them on Instagram. So Twitter is at Via Blast and Instagram is at Facey Cranko, which is my first and last name, but with things all fucked up. You <laughs> know that by now. Uh, just Google it. <laughs> Casey, I like that picture you posted on Instagram the other day of like the parking job. Was it like what? What was it that you posted? Mm. It was like a parking lot. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me call the secretary that runs my uh, <laughs> runs my Instagram real fast. <laughs> I mean, cur- let me consult my memory. <laughs> your curator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which which post you're talking. We'll talk after the show. We'll talk. Uh, all right, mind. just never mind. <laughs> so, so you can find uh, you can find me on Twitter at pacing Pete. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Um, we're on Instagram as well. Uh, scene, at Scene and Nerd. There, you can email us Scene Letter N Nerd uh, at Gmail. Did I say that right? Scene Letter N Nerd 
at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we're on Facebook, too. So go check us out. Um, oh, yeah. Subscribe on iTunes. Like us. Uh, comment us. Uh, throw us some feedback. We're always willing to hear it and uh, read it out uh, on the show. So um, this was a lot of fun, guys. This, is, this was a blast. So yeah. we will see you guys uh, next week. Uh, you have a DVR. Use it. I am Salsi. He's so hot right now. <laughs> also Facebook. <laughs>